Hello and welcome to episode 160 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the knight in Nike armor, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. I hope Vision stays fully clothed in WandaVision because I've filled my quota to call that his ass. Fantastic. On this week's episode, that WandaVision moment, SNL, and other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, A Knight's Tale. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Uh, we are drinking Lexington Brewing and Distilling Company's Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. Mm-hmm. I believe we did a Kentucky... We did the cream, I believe. The Kentucky Cream Bourbon Ale or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. That was a good one. Uh, I've had that another one. one of them. It was like the vanilla something or other. That one was really good. Their coffee cream is <laughs> so good. <laughs> but this is the Bourbon Barrel Ale. Um, oh, geez. There is... Why would they put gold on gold writing on the? Oh, you one of those? On the neck of the bottle, it's gold. Oh on yeah, the... I can't read that. I put the light on, and now I can read it. My um, problem is the light is shining on it too much. <laughs> yeah, you gotta do it from an angle. So the hops in this are Fuggles. Hops? What? Fuggles? Yeah, that's a, a pretty well-known hop. Uh, and East Kent Goldings, which are obviously a British noble hop. Um, tasting notes: oak, vanilla, caramel, and toffee. Kentucky Irish Red Ale. Aged for at least six weeks in freshly decanted bourbon barrels from some of Kentucky's finest distilleries. Mm. It's 8.2% alcohol by volume. It's got a lovely horse on top of it, as they are wont to do. <laughs> it does have a lovely horse. At a, it, it's weird because it's like, at first glance, it's like, oh, that seems like that horse icon is a little bit crooked. But no, it's actually the most not crooked and perfectly cut off horse icon you've ever seen. It's so not crooked that it makes you realize that most other horse icons are crooked. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Most, most other horse, like, symbol, symbol, I'm trying to think symbology. Word, symbology <laughs> is, is like, a, looks more like a, the knight in the chess. Yes. Where it's like kind of upright. Not anatomically connected. It's more for. anthropomorphic. Yeah. <laughs> now, I have on this, uh, it's actually, it was from a four pack, not a six pack. Sorry. But, um, oh. Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. Our Kentucky Irish Red Ale is aged for at least six weeks in freshly decanted bourbon barrels from some of Kentucky's finest distilleries. Subtle yet familiar flavors of vanilla and oak are imparted to this special ale as it rests in the charred barrels. Pleasantly smooth and robust, Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale may be served as an aperitif or an after-dinner drink. Oh, Al, can we just... Can we call you, what was it, pleasantly smooth and robust? That's going to be your new, can you make that your Twitter, like, bio? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm pretty robust, and Uh, I I have my moments of being, I think I read this pretty smoothly. Yeah, you did a good job, especially considering the gold on gold. Yeah, no, the the box is better. It's it's a dark brown and black lettering, so still not great, but better than the gold on gold. It's not ideal, but whatever. Launched in 2006, it has grown to become the flagship beer of the premier name in barrel-aged beers, Lexington Brewing Distilling. Mm. Pairing suggestions, which we always appreciate. Ooh, I love a good pairing suggestion. I wish you can get those up in advance so that I could have the snack right next to me. Well, you're going to love this one. Just just the verbiage <laughs> okay. here. And awesome. the choices, the specific choices. Catfish. <laughs> what? Mm, even <laughs> Rich, spicy foods like barbecued beef, Oaxacan mole, or hearty Szechuan dishes. Okay. Great with buttery, well-aged cheddar. Pairs with desserts like milk chocolate, cream puffs, 
Try it as a float with your favorite vanilla or caramel ice cream. All right, hang on. Was that milk chocolate comma cream puffs? Or was it a milk chocolate cream puff? Milk chocolate comma cream puffs. Semicolon. Now I want a milk chocolate cream puff, though. <laughs> I think we need to make that happen. Because as, as you know, our moms make great cream puffs. They do. But they, I don't think they dabbled in the milk chocolate cream puff. Not that it's nope. a thing. No, but my mom, <laughs> my, my mom makes them with chocolate chips in them. That's right. Um, although I think typically it's like semi-sweet or dark chocolate. I don't think it's typically. That's right. And I, I, I'm fairly certain that we've had this discussion before. But are they not morsels? <laughs> uh, sometimes they're morsels because she makes the mini cream puffs. Yes. All right. <laughs> But they're not baking melts. Friggin' morsels. No. That ooh, wait, we can let's make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is baking melts are nearly the size of the cream puff. <laughs> That's right. Uh on the tasting notes though. Yes. I want that as one entire meal. <laughs> like courses? Like first course, barbecue beef, second course. No, I'm thinking more like hook style uh on the table at once. <laughs> Hard on dishes? <laughs> yeah. That's the one that got you. Because to me... As far always, as the eye can see. <laughs> to me, I always appreciate the opportunity to... Uh, I always appreciate the opportunity to say Oaxaca. So I really sure. ap- appreciated the Oaxacan mole sauce. But yeah. it seemed like you really liked the hearty Szechuan. I did. I did. Because I, I pictured ordering everything off the menu. Yes. And just all of it being there. This would be quite the fusion. Because those uh, are... That you got some Chinese food, you got some Mexican food, barbecue beef, which, considering what was going on here, I don't know why I was thinking Mongolian barbecue beef. So it's mm. got like an Asian-Mexican fusion going on. Okay, all right, all right. Can I say, the nose on this bad boy is delightful. Would you say that it's... You leaned in perfectly and pause just enough to make it obvious that you're reading the box that I really <laughs> That's been one of my that. favorite bits that I've done as a recurring thing, but I haven't had one in a while. The problem is it had tasting notes, but I don't think it ever said anything about the nose, so. No. Mm. It does smell delightful. Delightful smell. It, Cheers. Look at it. It's, it's a gorgeous color. Oh, it's ow, delightful. this is the glass. <laughs> oh, that's the glass? This is okay, the glass I, know, I was talking about. I know those You know the glass. It's about 16 pounds. Oh, can we talk about this for a second? Not only does it not come in pints, but then they slap you in the face. They hit you forward, forward slap, not not pints, and then backhand four pack. Get out of here with that! That sounds <laughs> it's unacceptable. Like, it's like pumpkin. Pumpkin is usually the four pack of twelves. But pumpkin, I would also just take two. Sure. I want six of these, or I want four <laughs> pints. Cheers. Let's so try this. I'll buy you eight, and I'll take two of them, and you can keep six. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good. Cheers. I did that a little bit too aggressive. It almost broke the glass. It can't. That glass is way too thick. Mm. Oh, yeah. Now, full disclosure, I had one of the other one of these that I had sitting around my fridge oh. like two weeks ago, but it's still just a delight. This is really good. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've said that about every one of theirs that I've had. They make really good fucking beer. Yeah, I don't know why I was on. The, I was under the impression that they were just okay. And then I had the coffee cream one. I was like, this is amazing. You know what it is? It's because we had the pumpkin one for your last pumpkin tasting. And I don't think you loved mm. that one. But I think it's hard because I think if you had that out in the wild, it'd be different than having it as part of 30 pumpkin beers. 
That's probably true. Also, I went here and I did not like their system for tasting. Well, that I can't speak to. But you but, got coins, and the coins you were able to use, you only got four of them, and you were all, you were able to use them to taste one thing per coin. But you went to the brewery portion first, and then you went to the distillery, and it was the same coin system. And it's like I saved my coins for the distillery's portion. I would have preferred to just buy things to taste, <laughs> so that I could ha- so that I could try them all. Yeah, I don't know. That does seem kind huh. of flawed. Maybe they had some kinks to work out. But uh, this is, I, I mean, like as I was I was saying before, uh, the color is great. It's mm. very like toffee colored. It's crystal clear. You can see nice little bit of head. You know, not yep. aggressive, and it you know, and it stays on the glass nice when you give it a swirl. Yeah, um, so that a little stickiness to it. Mm. It's got this a, is del- oh. it's got nice carbonation. I love watching the bubbles because it's so crystal clear. You can watch the bubbles gently rising to the top. Yep. Oh, it's like a screensaver. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I could see that. That's a beautiful. Yeah, beer. it's um, it's funny because now that it says it, yes, I do detect that it is a red ale, but I wouldn't have necessarily thought it. On its own, because it's very subtle. It's a little bit, it's got the perfect malt bitterness balance, which is tough to nail for a red ale because you don't want it to be too sickly sweet, but you don't want right. it to be too dry either. Like, I mean, mm. I, that's kind of true of a lot of beers, but like for that particular style, it feels like there's a very small window. Of yeah, because it seems like from the ones that I've had, it seems like it could go in either of those two directions, but the yes. balance of that makes, makes for a good one. Yes, but it's yeah. got the bourbon backing to it which in this one i think oh, this yeah. is maybe the best actual showcase for the bourbon itself because like mm-hmm. the bourbon can be i'm um, not that it's not good but it can be a little overwhelming on the cream ale i think you know like sure. it's very bourbony and yeah. with something that's more dark and robust like you might taste a little it'll be might be more subtle in the background it feels like this is the perfect showcase for both beer and bourbon, like it's in perfect. It's really just so perfectly balanced. I guess. Yeah, it's what like I keep a, coming I, back to in all ways. I keep like hitting different things that it reminds me of. Like, like you obviously when you said toffee, I was thinking like some like crunchy toffee covered in chocolate, like from yep. one of those like assorted chocolate boxes. Um, I just in that last sip, I just got like caramel popcorn. Yeah, um, it, I really, would say really tasty. That, that it has tasting <laughs> it goes notes again, of oak, vanilla, pop. caramel, and toffee. <laughs> That's right. Actually, I would say of uh, all those the things, oak. the oak, maybe I don't get as much as the other. I, I think I taste the oak clearly only because I've been, uh, I was going to say I've been hitting the bourbon heavy lately, but that's not really <laughs> what I mean. I just, <laughs> it's just that like when I've been choosing to have a drink lately, it hasn't been beer. I've actually only really been having beer during the show. And yeah, I think you said something about that last week or the week before that I'm you drinking a lot more whiskey and wine. Yeah, yeah, mostly mostly whiskeys. Um, just really just enjoying them because I got a bunch for Christmas of different variants, and uh, it was uh, oh, it's been fantastic. But uh, I picked I picked up two whiskeys recently. One of them was for my my thirtieth birthday. One of my buddies got me this rye from Woodenville. It's hundred mm. percent rye, and it was really good. Um, and then I just I happened to be reading something a couple weeks ago that they make a great bourbon too. I was like, oh, I never heard of the distillery or the brand at least before he gave it to me but apparently it's like a pretty small like it's not i think if i remember correctly from what i mean this isn't one of the ones that's like under the umbrella of one of the mega distilleries okay so it's like more independent than the average one that you would grab and that the bourbon was supposed to be really really good so i tracked it down i found it in one of the stores near me and the bourbon is also delightful so nice nice uh without further ado i'm going three thuckles 
Yeah, uh, I don't know if I've done it, but I kind of want to give it four. You want to give it four? I, I honestly, I I think that would be fair, but I'm reserving four thuckles for their coffee cream because it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm to, I'm torn between three and four thuckles. Um, I'm gonna go four thuckles. <laughs> nice, nice. Is this yeah, is this the go. first four? This isn't the first four thuckle, is it? Since or is it the moved, first? Since, since we, we moved to the thuckle to the, scale, to the thuckle. To the Thuckle Fifth. The Thimble, the Grithwell family Christmas. The Thuckle Fifth them with Fuggle Hops. Yeah, the Thuckle Fifth them with Fuggle Hops. Now nothing's coming out. Everything with a TH. I think this is the first fourth Thuckle that I've given. Yeah, all right. I'm on board with that. It's delightful. Man, I just want to watch it. Anyway, uh, let's get into some news and nuggets, shall we? Sure. What's going on with uh, SNL? Oh. <laughs> well, did you get to watch this week's SNL? I did. I did. I, well, yeah. I figured we would have to because I know I, I was very confused by how confused you were when I said to you that the other or a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, whatever it was. About yeah, a, and after you, after you showed me the picture and then explained it to me, I, I'm only, I only vaguely remember that that's a thing. Oh, okay. So... See, I, and it to me, I was like, me. oh, like, I don't even really watch SNL anymore. But like once or twice a year when I see a particular guest host that I want to see. But Anthony watches it pretty commonly, if not every week. So I just assumed you were familiar with yeah. the way that they announce all of them with like it's the picture of like the was it like the cork board with the. the yeah, with like the three post-its. Like, yeah. With yeah. who's hosting and who the musical guest is. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I just I, I it, it looked familiar, but it didn't really fully ring a bell. Uh, yeah, so Dan I, Levy, for anyone who doesn't know, Dan Levy hosted this week the and creator he's, and star. He's just so funny, and, so uh, funny. That was why I wanted to watch. I knew Anthony and Kim were going to want to watch it for that. Uh, did, you, did you, you ended up watching the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, I saw. It. Uh, I have a habit of fast forwarding to musical guests, especially when the performance is either wildly boring or clearly lip sync. Oh well, I don't think it was lip synced. No? It, well, then the sound must have been off. <laughs> because Maybe. Um, it was, like, behind. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that part of it. No, it didn't seem out of sync. Mm. Um, and, I don't know, that sort of act would feel like the type that wouldn't be? Yeah, I don't know. I, I typically ascribe that to bigger acts. You know what I mean? Like, I would think that you would want to impress as a smaller act. I don't know. Sure. They were weird. They were definitely weird. I kind of want to just listen to more of them just to hear... There's Phoebe Bridgman. Never heard of them before. They're just, yeah, it was just very quirky. You know, they were all dressed as skeletons. I was watching it, and they were all dressed as skeletons, and it just made me think of the bones are their money. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> you said, like, three different times that the bone is their money. I didn't know if you got it. <laughs> he said you wanted something spooky. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, he, so... Dan Levy, super funny guy, uh, seemingly great writer. Uh, I feel like anything, because like it's a, from what I understand, you can be as involved as you want with the process of the week that you're on the show. Yes. Uh, what I did and, find a little bit odd though was it seemed like he wasn't in as many overall skits as I would have expected. I started to notice that lately uh, when I'm watching it, like after the fact, after I've recorded it and I'm fast forwarding because the there's just like there aren't actually that many skits. Like what when it when it was like and and they introducing the musical guest, I was like already. <laughs> it seems so. It seems so fast. But that opening, I think it was like the early the first skit that he did 
where like he drinking of the coffee, like he was like, I'll hop up on coffee during Thob- the yeah. Oh, Thoby, that's right. <laughs> that was that was hysterical. That was good. Uh, that was a really good skit. Uh, and do I have to I say actually, who my softener is? You do not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was good. The uh, the disgusting. I did. I really appreciated the Super Bowl party where they take their we masks deserve, off. We deserve. Yes, yeah. we did everything right. We're doing everything right. <laughs> They're eating the chili with their hands. Fantastic, but it was very funny. And uh, I, I, yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it. I do. Watch, I don't watch SNL every week. I. Do usually watch the weekend update though. Okay, I, I, was, I just know silly. that it felt like a while back. You watched like almost every episode. Um, yeah, I, I knew there was, you there was like a year where. I, yeah, yeah, I know you said basically you watch every weekend update, but yeah, I'm a big fan of the cold open, and I'm a big fan of the weekend update. And then once one skit falls flat, I usually just skip to the weekend update, and then I turn it off. <laughs> See, overall, like. There was a time like, like oh, maybe late in high school for me where I would watch it pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a really good cast. Um, that was like because that was still like Amy Poehler, or, like Tina Fey. Or, yeah. Like Seth Meyers, like all of them. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I'll catch like a skit every once in a while. I basically watch it once or twice a year. Like, I think because I think the last one I watched was Kit Harrington when he did it. Because I okay. remember I was thinking about the like the intro when they were they were coming out and like the other cast members were like in yeah. like asking the questions. I like when they do stuff like that. The monologue <laughs> and all that. Um, the other fun. good, really good one was the Zillow one. From, oh from yeah. This that was great. That was really good. <laughs> I thought it was going to be one of those like music video ones, but then it turns into like borderline. Like it's this, like it kind of was like the sex line thing that you see like late night on like comedy central, but yeah. like also kind of not. And then it was just instead of sex, we're into Zillow. <laughs> The funny thing about Zillow being pornography is that when Kim and I met the realtor that we ended up using when we bought our house, she referred to looking at houses as looking at porn. And it it was really awkward and funny at the time. And then she sent an email out with the skit in it this weekend. Oh, wow. Fantastic. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's really leaning into this. <laughs> Wait, you're still in touch with the realtor? Our realtor, two years after our wedding, dropped off a gift on our anniversary of local honey. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I don't know, takes notes, I guess. We did invite her. She did come to the ceremony. <laughs> Yeah, she was there. She's great. Gail's awesome. Gail O'Reilly. You need a realtor in New Jersey. (laughs) Gail O'Reilly. And I 100% sing Gail, Gail, Gail O'Reilly every time I think of her name. (laughs) But she was fantastic. 10 out of 10, we'll use again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, the the Zillow one was great. Um, And also, what it reminded me of is funny because I thought about it twice. in the last couple of days because watching the Super Bowl the weekend was the the uh, halftime show and mm. I don't think I actually watched that episode but there was the episode where he was like the the uh, the musical guest I think he yeah. also was in a skit and they did like a music video and I just yes. saw it like out in the wilderness and it was sleeping on the couch did you see that one yep that was fucking hysterical that was very good <laughs> some of that stuff where they like put it together ahead of time yeah. with a little bit more production value is really funny yeah obviously they have to balance they have to like it's a tight line to walk right because like their whole thing is like the live skit 
Yeah. So you can't do too much of that. And they never do too much of it, but those are those are usually good. Very funny stuff. Um, but yeah, he, he Dan Levy cracks me up. Uh, it's just so fun to see like that rise like in the past few years of like, oh, the show was on for a while. <laughs> well, it was funny. Cause <laughs> and now everybody like, knows it. Was, this wasn't such a bad year for, you know, this was, there was goods and bads to this year. You know, bad was the global pandemic. Good was people finally watched our show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then of course he had his dad come. He seems to be really cool with like incorporating his dad into like when he's in the, in like the spotlight. Yeah. On a couple of things that I've seen, which I think is really cool, rather than being like, rather than kind of like ignoring it and like maybe being like weird about it, because I feel like some actors might be that way, like if they have a famous parent. Well, sure, except like they created the show together and started it together, so right. obviously, right, that's not the case for them, which is great. And then they won all the Emmys, <laughs> all of them, <laughs> every Emmy this year, they took it home. <laughs> Uh, his joke about them throwing it at them was pretty funny. Throwing the Emmys at them <laughs> in a biohazard suit. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that is what they were doing. <laughs> uh, good stuff. But that was fun. It was a fun watch. Do we know who's up next? Do you, who's... No, I have no idea. Oh, wait, no, sorry. They definitely had a thing. I think it's Regina King. Oh, okay, cool. Very cool. Um, nice. What else are you watching now? Oh, we're doing what we're watching. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to do WandaVision now or you want to do it later? I don't know. I'm thinking let's do WandaVision at the end of our News and Nuggets segment so that you can skip to the next chapter if you don't want to hear anything about it. Okay, about fair that? enough. Although it's been, you know, it is a little odd that we we basically reviewed the previous weeks the day that the current... That's true. That's true. Okay. WandaVision. WandaVision. <laughs> you, could, you convinced me. Good it's episode. Perfect. It was a good episode. I like, I was wondering if they were going to do this. And obviously I think it makes sense. You know, now they're blending the two, the out of the, out of the box story and the inside the box story. So. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny about it is you, you watch the show. The first couple episodes are really fun. They're entertaining. There's a mystery involved and you do. I mean, you're not questioning it quite yet, or at least this is, this is me. Uh, putting the way that I feel about it in everybody's mouths. Uh, <laughs> you're not you're not questioning it quite yet, but you're like, is this gonna is this gonna last for a whole season? I'm not sure. If, I mean, this is fun. I don't know if I want to do this for a whole season. They're like, we're not gonna do this for a whole season. I was like, oh, okay, good, good. And now it's like super Marvel right now. And I was like, yeah, you really just you brought it back. It really feels part of the MCU. In but the best still way, kind of balance with because like they did the '80s thing. It was like mm-hmm. the Family Ties like type episode, and the very special episode was literally what it was called, I think, right? Yeah, and like you still got. I mean, like everything is clearly careening out of control, but still, kind of the storyline within the mm-hmm. episode that would be like that sort of show. I like the yeah because I like that the first couple, first two or three episodes are in it. Fully in it. Like, that's yes. like, it's, right, it's the sitcom, whatever, whatever decade that they're doing. The next episode, they brought you out entirely, which was awesome. I like that they did that. Like, you just didn't go in. You were out entirely until they Except picked up the, the signal. Except for the very, like, final, like, 90 seconds. Right, which was very cool. This episode, uh, mostly out, a little bit in, but now I feel like we're leaning into the whole idea of going into that world but knowing what's happening and that'll make for some really cool storytelling. Yes. Uh, so we'll see how they, how that plays out, but it's, I, it's super, I'm super entertained watching the show. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, and, it's not like, I don't know. I don't know that it'll necessarily go anywhere. That's super 
like crazy or whatever. But nah, like, I doubt it. It's just it's just a good time. Well, it's fun. It's interesting. It's intriguing. Not that it'll go anywhere super crazy, but it does seem to be like this might be the thing that's going to open some of the doors that we are, you know, that we we know about that are coming. Like the idea of the quote unquote, this is the thing. If you really didn't watch it yet and you're listening, we're about to talk about the thing that happens at the end of the episode. <laughs> uh, so skip ahead a few minutes, I guess. But when the, there's a knock on the door and she goes to open it and they show it from the back, it's like, very cool. Uh, they're bringing her brother back. Awesome. When they turn the camera around and it's that character from the X-Men universe, I was like, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> because now it, now it's like, a, how, how are they, what are they going to do with this? Because there's already been talk about X-Men joining the fold in some fashion in the MCU. How are they going to handle that? Is that going to be a multiverse situation? Is it going to be the X-Men from the movies that we know? Like, like, what are they going to do? Um, and that was, I thought that was really cool and exciting just because it doesn't mean anything and it answers no questions and it might be completely throwaway, but all of those things are exciting to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to figure at some point Chekhov's Pietro would go off. Um, and so we got that. It's got to. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, whether or not you expect it to be that Pietro, Sure. Um, but we've kind of, I think we talked about it last week, right? The idea of like the multiverse where that's going to go with like Doctor Strange and the whole Spider-Man's thing. It, mm-hmm. Plural Spider-Man's. All right. Would it be Spider-Man or Spider-Man's? I'm going to go Spider-Man's because it sounds wrong. <laughs> I was going to go. It's no, because I think it's assorted spiders men, right? Like, like it's more than one Spider-Man, <laughs> not Spider-Men. Spider-Man's. Yeah, I think it's Spider-Man. Yeah. Because, like, I, each I of them is their right. own Spider-Man. They're not a family of Spider-Men. Sure. This is bad grammar with Alan Anthony. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we can do a whole podcast on this. <laughs> yeah, it'll just be like, you know what word grinds my gears? And then three hours later, we end the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, we're going to have that whole thing. And there's been speculation for a while since Disney bought Fox that we knew that we were going to get X-Men eventually. The question is, is it going to be new X-Men? Is it a reboot? X-Men's. <laughs> no, but if we were doing different groups of X-Men from different versions of the multiverse, I think they'd be X-Men's. Huh. Yeah. X-My? <laughs> the, the plural of X-Mus, X-My. <laughs> um... But anyway, where were we? (laughs) I guess this opens up a portal to possibly a multiverse situation in which because right. We we had the whole thing with I didn't quite get that from it last was it last week or two weeks ago when she sees the dead vision behind the vision. Oh, God, that creeped me out so much when I saw it. I was like, oh, I thought they were going to leave it as just that scene and not actually focus on it. Yeah. It was very it was very it in the background during the library scene in it. <laughs> you know it, in it. You know it with the clown. <laughs> <laughs> you know it of it fame. Of, of it fame. <laughs> so anyway, I didn't realize that uh, oh, this is I just assumed all of this was just something she conjured up, but to see that oh no, it's apparently the reanimated corpse of vision 
okay, much creepier. Um, yeah. And then for the Tommy and Billy to ask about why she can't resurrect the dog, which by the way, man, that poor dog. Yeah. Like, yeah. That less was less than a day of like joyous. So I've been like found my home and now you, I've brutally died. Who knew that azalea bushes were, po- were, were toxic to dogs? I didn't know this. Well, yeah, I definitely, during that scene, I went, is that a thing? <laughs> well, the way they went about it, I just assumed we got hit by a car, but no, apparently it's sure. azalea bushes. I keep still thinking that Catherine Hahn, but maybe she's not. I don't know. Mm. I keep feeling like she's lurkingly, like, knows more than she thinks. Wait, she, no, well, she does know. She knows something. We we just don't know what's up with her. Yeah. I she's not, like she's she, not Norm. Yeah. But, yeah, it's very weird. I think weird. so, too. So because I she, she would, didn't she say like, do you want me to take that again? Wasn't that her character? Yeah, she said, do you want me to do another take? And it's weird that we didn't interrogate that any further. Uh huh. Um, but then also, like, there's been other times where she's at least been playing dumb. I think. Yeah. This one was weird because she says, "Oh, you can do that." When she, when the kids ask her about bringing people back to life, and she's like, "Oh no, no, definitely not." She just takes that at face value. But this wouldn't be the first time. Like, there's been a couple other times where something fantastical has happened around one of them, and then. Someone like asks a question and they're like, yeah, no, it's fine. And they're like, okay, it's fine. And like, that's it. So I'm going to go super dark on the storytelling based on some hints that have been dropped in the writing. I think that she might be in an abusive relationship in real life. And that this is actually a, a step out of that life and a release and like, and a relief for her. And she's going with it and she's happy to go with it. Listen, there's definitely something to the fact that she keeps making a big deal about having a husband and we haven't seen it. Yeah. There's something there. I don't know if it's that what you're saying. Like, like that's of course a possibility, but this is part of why I've been wondering whether she's not secretly a villain in this. Who's manipulating mm-hmm. her in some way, because sure. at first I thought maybe she was the puppet master, but it seems like maybe that's not the case. Although I think we realized as the course of this episode that Wanda's definitely not all the way in charge of what's going on. You don't think so? no, I mean, I think she's mostly, and that's why I still wonder whether there might be someone behind her poking and prodding her that she doesn't even realize is there, maybe. Mm, because Maybe. Because, well, there's been times where she's been trying to fix or change things within the show that aren't fixing it and changing it. Well, I, yeah, like, I think that she she thinks she's in control, I think. Yes, but I don't think but she doesn't know. Is. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, yeah, I think I think whatever this simulation is has been infiltrated by some Hydra situation. Yes, and that's what I'm wondering whether she's kind of like the overseer who's secretly actually pulling the strings. May okay, I see what you're saying. Maybe, ooh, fascinating. That's because it's definitely like again, like not to Kim like beat the whole Chekhov thing to death, but like we've heard about her husband a lot, and we've never mm-hmm. seen. Him. Yeah, in fact, n- never even seen proof that he exists. Not even like someone in the window or something like that. Right, you know what I mean. Right. Um, and she does seem to know more. And like Wanda should have really been like, why do you know that, that we can do takes? Why do you know this is a television show? Like, that's the one that really should tip you off to there's something wrong with this really. Yeah. Oh, man. I got a uh, hats off to Disney and the weekly drop of the episode starting the season with two episodes, maybe ending it with. I don't know what the schedule is. Maybe ending it with two. Oh, I'm not, I'm sure. not really. I'm not really sure, but what I do know, what I really appreciate, it's the perfect balance of the streaming culture and the actual, you know, like sitcom or show that is released weekly. Oh, serialized. What's the word I'm looking for? 
yeah, when, it, when it's released. Serialized. I mean, probably. even yeah, I guess. Anyway, it, but it's the perfect mix of that where it's like there is that stupid thing when you watch shows once a week, whatever, when they're like airing that like, oh, it wasn't on this week. Weird, because you just don't know the schedule because it's like all over the place. It's like it's on like there's four episodes in a row and then there's a break and then there's five and then there's a break and then there's 12 <laughs> and then it like comes back and there's a one episode finale looking at you walking dead. Uh, <laughs> but with Disney, I feel like here's the schedule. You can find it if you need it, but it's consistent. It's there for you every week. It's going to be there until this until the season's over. Yeah. They don't they don't seem to skip weeks or they don't set it up that way. The only one that went weird was the first season of The Mandalorian. Like cause remember they had like they decided to do an episode early on like Wednesday and then Friday. Right. And then it came back around in the next Friday and went Fridays for a few weeks. And yeah. then the final two episodes were like on the same on a day Sunday or something like day that or something. Yeah, Something yeah. Something weird happened. Right? But, no, and I do think that, yeah, that was the first one, and I'm okay with that. They ironed out the kinks, and I like the idea also, of start, also starting off with two because I want more. Get, I think you also know. part of it was, didn't they want to do it so that the final two episodes book into The Rise of Skywalker? Isn't that what happened? Yes, something like that. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. They, they're, they're, making, they're making me like very excited about like I I very much look forward to the like Friday night or the weekend whenever I'm going to watch it, knowing that I have a new episode waiting for me of this show that I'm super into. Like it doesn't necessarily need to be a fan. It doesn't need to be fantastic. The show yes. is, is good enough. Yes. And in, and so, like it's good enough 90% of the time, but that other 10%, it doesn't dip in the other direction. That other 10% of the time is great, <laughs> like, which I think is really cool. Like they, they've got like a perfect formula going on over there. Eventually I can't imagine, uh, I can't imagine that this entire franchise doesn't either end or get tired at some point. What do you mean? Like the MCU? Yeah. I mean, it would be like, it would have to probably eventually get tired, but like you would think when right. Yeah. Because right now it feels reinvented. Yes. And I'm not, I don't want it to end. I'm just saying, like, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it really well. I mean, what they've done that's been smart is they keep every few years giving us something new, right? Because mm-hmm. we got standalone movies, then we got an Avengers, then we got more movies. Some of it was continuing on the stories we already knew. Some of it was giving us new characters. Importantly, we got an ensemble movie, Guardians, right? Mm-hmm. Avengers. And then we started getting overlap right where you know you could have a hulk with a thor you know what i mean you yeah. could have an iron man with a spider-man you could have and then boom we're gonna build up to two avengers movies back to back you know a year apart or whatever right but like like yeah, this they, is they the keep end it fresh of an entire entire error era sorry uh, error uh, <laughs> i was having an error trying to say <laughs> end of an era and then Okay, now we're going to super small. We're going to totally wipe the board and boom, TV shows, different little right. stories. We can do our little storytelling here in the margins where it's okay if everyone doesn't want to watch it. But if you do, we're going to try and reward you in a fun little way and still going to keep bringing it back to the center every time. Like we're going to keep bringing it, we're going to go off onto the tangent and then come back yeah. again, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's it's really great. I and then I but I wonder like you know how I said like it does it get tired at some point like will it, like I don't understand how they're going to keep it fresh. I do wonder though once you hit once you run out of ideas, you probably could start over from the beginning like with those ideas like again. The way comics do. Yeah, well, yeah, not not even start over the storylines. Maybe you might do that. Maybe that's what they're starting to do with the uh, the introduction of a multiverse is like opening up infinite branches of what they can do. Well, I'm just thinking they can go another decade like this. Right? Oh, easy. Yeah. And so after 20 years, kids who grew up on this are going to be parents. Yeah. And then if you start over again, they're going to want to bring their kids into That's That's a good point. And let's not forget that it's not that comic books have stopped. No. There's going to be a lot of source material that can be pulled on. To keep it fresh. But when I say start over again, I mean, I meant more like you can go back to what when you've kind of gotten away from origin stories of big names and you've been doing all this stuff. There's probably been some new big names that you can go origin story again. And then it wouldn't feel sure. so redundant at that point because it's so much later. Sure. I'm just thinking there's three Spider-Mans, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm being serious, though. There's, there's the Toby yeah. Spider. There's the, the Garfield Spider-Man. And there's the, the Holland Spider. Four Spider. And, well, and the animated one. Sure, but I'm just talking about the like full like a live action. Live action one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ones that have been created as franchises, right? Mm-hmm. Each of them has a wildly different origin story. Their first movies are all origin stories, and all of them are wildly different. Same character, same people, same, you know, same uh, like associate characters in them. You got Mary Jane's, you got Gwen Stacy's, you got Sure. Like, but one of them started out with the Green Goblin storyline. One of them started out with the was it the lizard? What the hell is this? Lizard? Yeah, I think it was the lizard. <laughs> and one of them with Vulture, right? Like, yeah, three completely yeah. different ones. I, 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 who knows what the next one? I well, let's not forget that Homecoming. Homecoming is it the first one. Homecoming. Homecoming uh, wasn't really an origin story. It was because we we had seen him prior to that. Yes, but and it's still they didn't redo mirrors, it. It kind of mirrors the idea. No, but I feel like the origin story is like, how does this person get their powers and become this? He was Spider-Man. And I, and thank God they did that. Because sure. I don't think I could have handled it if they did it again. I get it. Uh, my point was still that he's still got to cut his teeth as Spider-Man. Like, yeah, we get that he's already got the powers or whatever, right? Yeah. Got to mess around a little bit, but he's still not really a superhero, right? Yeah, that's true. He, well, yeah, he's get he's getting there, but he well he's getting involved, and now he's like pretty much becoming it out of necessity. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Uh, I do. I am curious with like another Spider Man and opening things up, and it seems like obviously they haven't said anything specific from from all accounts of cast members that have been um, spotted. It does seem like they're doing a similar into the Spider Verse situation where other characters are going to either come back. Or they're playing their similar role just in a different fashion because I'm not sure what they're going to do with it. But it would be that amazing if it's risky. a. It feels risky. I do wonder though, like I, so uh, part of me thought like, oh, with the whole multiverse thing, are they going to do? Are they going to do it? Are they going to make it that it's like it, they Willem Dafoe was spotted, for example? Like, are they going to do that? He is the Willem Dafoe from the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, or? Are they going to do something like, no, like he played that character so well. Let's just use him again and do it differently. Like kind of like J. Jonah Jameson. 
Which could be a cool take. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying, like, it just, it, uh, the only reason I'm saying it's risky is because Into the Spider-Verse just did it. That's Yeah, thing. and did it really well. And did it really well. Like, you're not really well. going to top it. Like, your best case is to do as good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, now, like, there will be a novelty to seeing the Spider-Man you know, right? Like, like the three Spider-Mans that you know, not just, okay, here's three different, or however many there were, five different versions of Spider-Man, right? Um, and but voiced by actors that you know, whatever, right? But like they weren't, you didn't have history with those characters. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to have a lot of history with these two other characters who are showing up and their villains and their associates, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. We'll see. I guess we'll, we'll see where it goes, but I, I, they can do whatever they want. They're, they're nailing it so far. <laughs> sure. I, I don't mean to doubt them. It's just like, this one seems like it sounds like a cool idea. It's just like like it's literally just been done. If this was something I've done ten or fifteen years ago in an animated movie that was a one off thing, like it just uh-huh. feels like is this the time to do? I mean, well, it almost time to do it. it almost makes me certain that that's not what they're doing. But, I mean, they gotta be doing something. I'm not. I'm not saying it's gonna be the same movie, obviously, but like mm. there's gonna be a lot of over. There has to be. Well, there could be something interesting where it's more. Maybe that's the thing. Well, I don't know if it'll be that because the Doctor Strange is the Doctor Strange movie coming out before that. I don't remember when they're coming out because it could be like one of those things where like maybe we we get the understanding of the multiverse and not that we're going to interact with the characters from there, but we're going to open windows to it versus like in Into the Spider Verse. They all came together. Yeah, but maybe some some other version of so like you're getting of like a ghost, peek in Ghosts of Christmas Past and Future type of thing. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Doctor Strange opens up a window for him to take a glimpse of, to explain to him the concept so that he can wrap his head around. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? And this all, is, if if in, you though. do a pretty good job as Spider-Man, you'll look like Tobey Maguire. That's right. But if you do a less good version, you'll be more like Andrew Garfield who broke his girlfriend's neck. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. That scene is intense. It's like the only actual scene I've seen from that movie. I never actually saw the second one. I go, is she going to... Oh! <laughs> I mean, I knew that was a thing that happens to Gwen sure. Stacy, so I kind of like expected it to happen, but I think it's just the how abrupt and the it, sound. Ooh, the sound. That's jarring. I still um, hear it. Kind of devs... Oh, sorry, deus-esque, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Breaking, breaking necks is a, is a rough sport. It's not great. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that show was good. Yeah. That show was really good. I want to rewatch that, I think. Yeah, I want to give it some more... Not yet. <laughs> but I definitely do yeah. want to rewatch it. I mean, I guess I kind of rewatched the first half of it, I think, when I went back to watch it with my brother and my sister. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I rewatched a couple episodes that Kim fell asleep and we had to start over. Mm. But, what else are you watching? Um, what else am I watching? Uh oh, sorry. Yeah, I think the only other one I had was the season finale of The Expanse. So that was good. It was a damn good season. Um, <laughs> that was that was good. I was a little hesitant early on because they did the most dramatic separation of the main characters, who by and large have all been together the whole run of the show. Um, mm. And in this one, last season, they so there's four main characters like on the ship. Um, this in this the last season, most of the season, 
they were split two and two, but they were still in like kind of constant radio contact. So, like, okay. you know, it's like they're all together. And like I said, you have two of them at a time, basically with each other, two at a time. And this one, they truly split up all four of them for like the whole season, which was I was a little hesitant of. And in the weaker moments of the season, I think it suffers because you don't have the constant chemistry between all of them, which like I said, when we talked about this a few weeks ago, when I came to the odd conclusion that I don't actually love any of the individual main characters, um, or I was talking about, oh, if one of them died, like, I don't know how it would really make me like feel, which is weird for this late into a show that I really genuinely enjoy. Right. Um, and so, you know, I had said that, oh, like their chemistry is what makes this show so good, whether they're all in sync or not, because there's tensions, but like, it's not the constant, like, will they, won't they type of thing. Like, you know, there's times where they're all in lockstep and there's times where three of them agree and one of them doesn't, or it's two and two, or none of them kind of agree or whatever. And they're at each other's throats or whatever. Now the, that part of it is much less as it's gone on. That's a much more early seasons thing. But still, I was encouraged to see that over the course of the run of the season, it was really, actually, I preferred it to the last season. It's odd. For some reason, the last season seems to be like consensus is it was beloved. I liked it the least of all the seasons, hmm. which is odd. Like it was still good. It just wasn't, I just didn't prefer it the way I did the three preceding or four preceding. I forget now. Um, but it was good. I was excited to see where it's going. It's going to have one more season. Um, it's interesting because. I know it hasn't been a perfect adaptation. They've pushed and pulled around a little bit of stuff. There's nine books, I think. I think the final book in the series is coming out sometime this year. Um, and the two show that, sorry, it, it's, there's a, I've never heard of this sort of circumstance. Before. I'm sure it's not the first time it's ever happened, but you know, like sometimes authors have like pen names or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like Stephen King's real name is Richard Bachman or something like that. Um, so the author of this book series is actually a pen name for two people, (laughs) which is odd to me that, that like, it's like, it's like, if you didn't know that you'd be like, Oh, it's that one person who writes this book. Two people who write under the one name, which is weird. That's Um, kind of funny. It is. Um, And the two of them are actively involved with the show in the way that George R. R. Martin was for the first several seasons, but like they've stayed the whole way through the show. They've stayed involved. Um, So they've helped to plan the landing because I don't know if they, announced to the showrunners and everything that this the coming season would be the final season before this season or not. I'm not sure, but before this season actually started airing, that was announced that the next season will be the final one. So they do have an opportunity to wrap everything up some. I've heard some people speculate that it might be a soft ending because apparently at some point in the books, there's like a 30 year time jump towards the end mm. of the run of the books. So I've heard speculation that they're going to basically put it on pause for like five years and then come back and do it as a time jump type of thing. Oh, interesting. I don't know if that's true or not. This is just pure speculation, but I'm really excited to see where it goes. I don't think they'll be able to answer all of the, I'll say quote unquote, supernatural, like existential type stuff. I don't think they'll be able to answer all those questions, which is unfortunate, but uh, looking at game of Thrones, which this show is often compared to, as I mean, when people try and give you a short version of what is the show, it's Game of Thrones of space. And they're not totally wrong. Um, smaller in scope. And like, this, like there's like 15 characters you have to care about, not 50. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it is, it's a big, broad scope thing with multiple factions and 
you get some of the politics within the factions, forget about just the politics of faction against faction. Right. And it's high concept and all that. And it's, you know, it's, it, there are a lot of similarities. I think they've been more focused with it as it's gone on. You see some complaints about the whole way, the way the white walkers thing was all resolved. So maybe it's for the best that they don't resolve that in this. Cause maybe there won't be a satisfying way to do that on in show form. I don't, I don't know. Um, sure. Cause it feels like they still, you know, all these years later only barely dip their toes into the waters of what that could be. And it sounds like they're the human aspect of this is what they really want to resolve. And it is an incredibly compelling storyline as strong and compelling as any of the politicking that went on in game of Thrones. So I'm really excited to see where the final season goes. This fully officially now, but at this point has got my seal of recommendation. I think you would really enjoy the show. I don't see okay. why, why Kim wouldn't, uh, I don't know how she is with sci-fi stuff. Well, we're about at that point where we need something to watch. So, so it's where, I mean, the, the first season, it definitely feels very sci-fi, the network, not the concept, um, mm-hmm. because that's where the show started. Um, it's been on Amazon the last two years. Um, but it's the highest production value of any of those shows I've ever seen. Like you can tell it's sci-fi, but it still looks much better than all of that. And most of the actors and actresses are not people, you know, even still at this point, there's only been a couple of people who've joined the show that would even be like recognizable as like those guys type of mm-hmm. characters. You know what I mean? But it's a good show. It's really well written is what it comes down to. And it's, it's ably performed by most of the cast. I really enjoy it. It is kind of high concept, but it's the type of thing where it's like, if you could get into game of Thrones, I don't know why you couldn't get into this. I mean, I, some people prefer medieval to sci-fi or whatever, and or vice versa. And that's, that's cool. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot less sex in this. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit, but there's way less sex in this. Um, right. But it's a good, enjoyable show. Um, and oh. what's cool to what I always appreciate of it, we talked about it, is, I'm not saying it's all perfect, but the science is pretty good. Like, they do a good job. It's oh, okay. it's within the realm of believability, at least. I'm not saying it's sure. perfect, but it's like, it at least looks like they tried to get yeah. it right. You know what oh, I mean? Which, yeah, that makes a difference. And and some of it, it makes for really compelling storylines because, like, they get into, like, the science or stuff. Like, oh, we're going to run out of fuel. This is bad. You know, right, stuff like right. that. You know what I mean? Like... Do you have any interest in the books? Yeah, actually, now that I've thought about it, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know if they've actually physically started doing like the production of the next season. It's possible with COVID they're going to have delays getting to it. I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's impos- entirely possible it won't actually air within the next year, which would be unfortunate, but maybe 18 months. I don't know. Like, But I'm going to be super excited and I'll have time to read them. I, I would like to read them now at this point. When I first started watching the show, I wasn't too sure I would necessarily like, I felt like a very big back burner thing. Like I could see myself some point in the next few months trying to start it up. Yeah. Oh, cool. I, uh, on the topic of books, I've, I've made some progress on ready player two. Ah, did you ever finish Harry Potter? Yeah, I did. Okay. I don't remember if we ever, I finished it. You finished the series. I finished it. And I think it might have been, that was sometime last year. I finished that, and uh, and I, I know there the, was a big hiatus at also. one point, so I wasn't sure what else. Yeah, the play, the the cursed child. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, no, that's right. That does sound familiar. Now, I, I just uh, I knew you were going, and then it felt like you hit a wall for a while. Huh. And I, I forgot that you actually finished it. I enjoyed it. I uh, it's good. 
I, I enjoyed reading them. Uh, I do, there's obviously there are some differences. I I'm not adamant that the book is better. I just think it's a different take, slightly different. Like the, the movies go in a slightly different direction with certain character, um, I guess, depth. But uh, there are things that are missing, obviously, from the movies. But are they necessary for the storytelling? No, they do some, make some of it, some of it is, some of it isn't. The they make for good books if that are super likely. There is definitely there. There were times where the books dragged. Sure, I would say that. As far as like details go for storytelling, it's the biggest one to me is in six with the memories and all that. Yeah, I think that that I think it would have been tough to sell that as part of the movie. I think it would have made the movie a tough watch because of just like I think it would have had been bottlenecking it. But I think that it made for the casual viewer, maybe it might have been hard to track the importance of what and where and why the Horcruxes were. Yeah, that's, I don't know. Um, well, for the casual viewer, maybe. Yes. Yes, maybe. Well, I, I say- know that because I know that because that one of them, one of the six or seven, I forget which one it was. Six was on, on this weekend. And my mom was asking me about them. She read the book when it came out, which, you know, is a long time ago now. Mm-hmm. She's seen the movie a million times, but she like didn't fully get what was going on. With, like, like, she got the point of what Horcruxes were and like why they had to destroy them. But like when in like seven and eight, when they tracked down those other ones, she's like, I never fully got what was going on there. And I was like, yeah, I could see how that would be the case for someone who only watched the movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. For someone who casually was watching the movies. Yeah. I, I, I could agree with that. I will say that I, uh, having, I read the first five prior to seeing the movies one through five and then I literally finished five in the parking lot um <laughs> like the last 200 pages and then uh watched six seven and seven without reading the books finally finished the books last six, seven and seven <laughs> I did I uh I, I finally finished the books this year and I will say I don't feel like I missed anything um I it, it was it expands some of the spots that are sped through for the sake of movies are a different format. They, yeah. uh, uh, but that being said, I, Which is, well, I, I got why they did it. But like, like I know yeah, she, she was confused about like when it came to like the necklace, the cup and the diadem, like why those were important and how they figured out what they were and where they were. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, yep. No, I could totally see how, if you only watch the movies and you weren't like, living and dying by every single second on screen, how that sure. feel lost on you. That being said, if you're a, if you love the movies, if you love movies in general, I don't think you're, I don't think that you're missing anything. Probably not. No. Um, but I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I prefer watching the movies for sure. I, I could say that with confidence. I, I enjoy That's, I personally enjoy the, that medium far better. Yeah. That's just how I am. Uh, I like a full story in in the in the two to three hour window. Uh, I like the way that it plays out. I love watching performances and cinematography. It's just that's what I enjoy. Uh, books are fine, and I mean, occasionally I enjoy a book a lot. I seem to prefer reading things that are. It see, I I never understood. Like I knew know a lot of people that like this that will say like they don't read fiction. 
um, they don't enjoy it. And I, I think I'm starting to land in that camp where I prefer to read something that's more um, informative or like I, it, that nonfiction. Like I, I, maybe I get something out of that, but uh, I don't know. I have to, if it's a fiction book, I have to be really interested in what it is. Otherwise it, it, it really, I, I found some reason I kind of glaze over when I'm reading them. Well, I think no um, matter what, what it is you're reading, you have to be interested in it. Uh, yeah, I guess. Even I, if you're learning something, even if you're reading something truly non That's 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 fair. If you don't that's give fair. a shit, if it's about, you know, 15th century, like, Czechoslovakian taxes, like, you're not going to sure. give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, well, you know, what was ridiculous about that statement is halfway through it, I was like, go on. Like, what? I was like wait, where are we going? Because I'm, cur- I'm, al- I'm already curious. Tell me more. But then when you said taxes, I was like, pass. It was your sophomore. But uh, <laughs> uh, the so I'm reading Ready Player Two. Uh, the story, the main storyline, so far, fine, no big deal, nothing earth shattering, nothing crazy, entertaining enough, great. Uh, you mentioned something about the references. Mm. It hurts. <laughs> it's too much. I don't remember feeling that way reading the first book, and I don't. Maybe it's being overdone. But it seems like every other sentence, it's just like saying a thing that is a nod or a reference for not really any value. And it, it's yeah. a little hard. That was, I mean, past. I've read snippets of both books just like out in the wild where someone decided to clip it and whether sure. because they enjoyed it or because they didn't enjoy it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And even I could tell it felt more forced in the second one. Oh my god, so forced, especially in a situation where it's like the stakes are like super high, like super high in this current situation and you recite an entire movie quote. It's like you have things to do. <laughs> like <laughs> this is not okay. <laughs> People are dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um I'm working through that. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not as excited as I was during Ready Player One. I'm not as excited as I was during Armada. Mm. But it's fine. I think it will make for a good movie so far. Well, I think that was one of the people, because I, I read a bunch of people were crushing it when it came out. The most positive of all things said, it feels obvious that this was written so that it could be made into a movie. And like it, and all that entails, the good and the bad of that. Like, But basically saying... It seems like this would fit better as a movie. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I So far, I can imagine... The, obviously, they made some changes when they did the first one um, for the for the screen. Cause they, it, the, and the changes they made seem to have played better on the screen. Um, this well, one... Some like, of it was to tighten. Oh, sure. But for this one so far, it seems like it could just be a one-to-one. Because what they can tighten is like walking from one end of the hallway to the other and then just cracking jokes about movies the whole time. Like I'm all for doing that in real life, <laughs> but See it's like this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I, I can't, like, I don't know what, what the resolution is going to be at this point. I don't have any real guesses, but I can, fe- I feel fairly confident that I'm not going to be shocked and awed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's that's what I'm reading, I guess. We finished The Witcher again. Oh, nice. So that was fun. Um, I don't know that I am a, uh, a TV show rewatcher. 
it's not it's not big depends on me. the sh- depends on the show yeah i like i like rewatching I, I like throwing on like episodes of random stuff that i know really well like friends or something like that but not like for like a dramatic series it's just such an investment um and this was just one season but i caught like during it i was like I don't really want to watch the rest of it. Like, I'll, like, we'll get through it, and it's fine. I'm enjoying it. It's good. But it's just like, I don't know. I'd rather watch something new or do something else. Well, it depends on the show. It depends on how much, for sure. Um, and it depends on how long since you've watched it. Yeah. Um, oh, that's there's fair. Some, there's yeah. Some it has not been much like, time. What's that? It has not been much time. It was like, yeah. what, last year, two years ago, whatever it was. Yeah, it was just over a year ago, I think. Yeah. Um, the, There are some things that... I love, and I'm like, I'm never going to really watch it again. I'm going to have to be really bored because there's so many different things that I'm, that are always coming out that I'm like, hell, I can barely keep up or, you know, maybe can't keep up with the things that come out that I want to watch. But Mm -hmm. there are certain specific things where it's like, that's something I've earmarked is, yeah, maybe in the next year, if I have some downtime, I'm going to go through that again because I just so genuinely enjoyed, you know, immersing myself in it. Well, I I say that and not, not 15 minutes ago, <laughs> I said I would watch <laughs> devs again. <laughs> so, <laughs> there, but again, I guess there that is... goes back to the, you know, you said I need a little bit more time. And yep. also, it's six episodes. Yeah, that's pretty clutch. That being said, like, I can rewatch a movie over and over again, though. Yeah. Um, well, but it's different because it's two, it's two hours. Sure. It's tightly contained. But I could watch this. I feel like I could watch the same movie once a week for two months and be fine with it. But I might not necessarily want to go back into, I don't know, an eight episode series. It's a weird, it's weird. Well, pacing is a big part of it. And also, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. because you're like, Oh I, yeah, I can watch every, but you're not going to watch it every, you know, but if it's on, sure. you'll put it on. Cause maybe you'll watch 45 minutes of it. Cause you don't need to watch it from start. To I've finish. watched space jam eight times in one day. Wow. We used to put a movie on on loop at the pizza. <laughs> Space Jam is a very short movie. <laughs> Why didn't you just bring a couple of different movies? I know you had a lot of them. Well, we did watch other movies. It was just we were there every Saturday for a few years for 12 hours. So it, it, we watched a lot of stuff. No, I'm just saying, like, it's Saturday. Gonna be here all day. Let me bring, yeah. I don't know, four movies. Yeah, well, you know, when it's busy, you can't really, like, it's just on. And, like, even though you're not watching it, it's still getting in there. Someone had to rewind it and put it back on. Which meant no. someone walked over to the VCR. No, because it's DVD and when it hit the end, and it just, somebody would just hit play. Just to, just to keep the thing moving on the screen. And the amount of time it takes to go put on that DVD, it would have only taken you, like, 30 extra seconds to put a new disc in there. And that's fair. That's fair. Can't you can't be changing discs in the middle of a rush though? Nah. You can you can hit play while you're on the phone taking an order though. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Al, you got a nugget? Oh, I got a nugget. What do you got? Sonic the Hedgehog two. Nope. You got a new? <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was a true nugget. When is uh is the first one available? Uh it must be. Can you watch that now? I want to watch the first one. <sighs> Can really we watch the watch first it. one? Can we watch it, please? <laughs> I really want to watch it. I gots to know. It's going to be so bad, though. You know it's going to be bad. Oh, but I want to watch it. <laughs> it's going to be bad. Next week, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Wait, didn't we? Didn't you and I come up with a list last week of 
what we're going to be doing for the next couple of episodes. We didn't actually come up with a list. Didn't we? I don't think so. Anyway, so Sonic 2, that's a thing? Well, I'm trying to... Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, it was announced today it's coming. I thought you were, I thought you were going to end that sentence if it's coming out in April. I was going to be like, Jesus! <laughs> they made them both at the same time? Is it one of those situations? It's one epic movie that was cut into two. They shot it in Australia, yes. I got it. New Zealand. Sorry. New Zealand. <laughs> oh, goodness. No, that was my nugget. Just, I saw it flash. Someone retweeted it onto my timeline. Fair enough. With the 10 second teaser. There's no footage, just a 10 second teaser that it exists. And a sure. date flash. It was like is Knuckles going to be in it? Of 20. Is Tails, tails going to be in it? Is Tails in the nope. first one? Was Tails in the first one? I don't know. I don't I'm know. asking. Uh. James Marsden's in it. Did you know, you know what Tails' real name is? No. Miles Prower. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, goodness, it's not a joke. It's real. What's so your new? <laughs> Do you have any? Is this, is this what we're ending with? Uh, I don't know. I, I might think of something. Go on. You might think of something? Yeah. All right, here. I'll give you something in the meantime. I started playing God of War. I know this isn't Game Bites, but oh my goodness, is it a good game. And the story is incredible. And I feel horrible. I'm just, just this cranky old dad with this boy. And I have to take mom's ashes to the top of the mountain. Right? And these two don't communicate very well. It's very frustrating. <laughs> and uh, when the kid's upset, it's upsetting. <laughs> But when he's cranky and he's like, can we go now when I'm taking too long exploring an area? I don't like that. I don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> All right. To the news. Um, HBO Max announces new adult animated shows, including a Velma Dinkley orange story. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> when you say adult... I imagine they mean South Park Family Guy, not porn. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I had to reread the, the headline twice, too, because I'm like, wait, what? Oh, they mean, like, edgy Family Guy thing. But also, what? Yeah. Um, all right. That's weird. Subtitled, Unmasking the, quote, complex and colorful past of the Scooby-Doo mystery solved. This is on <sighs> IGN. HBO Max has announced series orders for three new adult animated shows, including a Scooby-Doo spinoff that will tell the origin of story of Velma Dinkley and a revival of Clone High. Now, was that a show that you're familiar what? with? No. What is that? I'm not either, but I, I saw a lot of people talking about that in response to seeing this article online. So okay. apparently people loved that show. It's not what I'm familiar with. Let me, let me throw this out there. I, I sighed at first. I want to take that back for a minute. Not like if if you if you came out like my my problem was like oh like, if you want to do that your problem if you was do, you were worried you were gonna see it, an animated version of Velma getting fucked I got it no 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 that's not even that was okay that was my first concern my second concern <laughs> was like why like why are we like why is this being told like it seems like oh we want let's layer a story onto a known ca- it feels like a marketing thing right it feels to me that's well, my duh. my first gut is that the only reason you're telling the story is oh here's a name let's do something with that however if it came from the side of the thing where someone was like 
I have this really funny or interesting idea. And have they have something in mind that they wanted to do. And if that's how the idea was born, that I'm okay with. Well, the good versions of this type of thing are that. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's often tough. <laughs> you to don't tell. know until eight episodes have been made and it starts to air and you go, oh, no. Yeah, it's often <laughs> tough to tell until you actually get into it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I guess that was, I don't, the thing is, I don't want to be negative up front, and I was, and I'm apologizing for it, is what it's yeah. Granted, no, because it did my, start my off first, because the phrasing made me uncomfortable. <laughs> my first inclination was to roll my eyes as well at this. Sure. Like, it's, like, what? Yeah. So, the original and comedic series, aptly titled Velma, will unmask the complex and colorful past of the underappreciated brains of the Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc. gang. Velma Dinkley, voiced by executive producer Mindy Kaling, I, God, I just read that. I just read that like Jim Broadbent in Hot Fuzz. Oh, that's the end. That's the end. (laughs) That was the end of that sentence. That's all. (laughs) Yes. Voice by Mindy Kaling. Because this is a terrible run on sentence. That's it. The original and comedic series, (laughs) aptly titled Velma, will unmask the complex and colorful past of the underappreciated brains of the Scooby Doo Mystery Inc. gang. Velma Dinkley, voiced by executive producer Mindy Kaling. That's a terrible sentence. No, yeah, it's not good. It's not that, good. I thought that was two sentences. That's why mm-hmm. I got lost. No, well, Char- a, new, a new thought was started three times. <laughs> yes, Charlie Grandy, Howard Klein, and Sam Register will be serving as executive producers on the ten episode series, which is being produced by Warner Brothers Animation. In addition to Velma, HBO Max ordered two seasons of Clone High, a reimagining of the Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and Bill Lawrence two thousand two series set at a high school for clones of historical figures. What, where was this? I I don't know. Uh, uh, sorry, it looks like maybe MTV. Let's see if there's anything I remember from Lord this. and Miller are obviously uh, like Lego movie and all that stuff. Bill Lawrence is the guy who created Scrubs and a couple other TV shows. Mm. Like well, help Jason Sudeikis create Ted Lasso. I have no memory of this. I mean, Close. you would have been more likely to than me because I would have been. I have not this. No, I, I don't know. I've never, I've never, ever seen this, <laughs> or no, or or like a clip of it. And did nothing. I know nothing about this. Um, as well as writing the series, Lord and Miller will be reteaming with Lawrence to serve as executive producers on the MTV revival with Erica Rivenoha assigned as showrunner. The streaming company further filled out its adult. Animation slate with Nate Sherman and Nick Vokey's really Fired not, on Mars. Not loving that phrasing. Not loving what we've coined the term. Adult animation. <laughs> adult animation, yeah. What, better or worse? Adult-oriented animation. <laughs> A, marginally better. Worse. Specifically adult because adult films. <laughs> <laughs> specifically because adult films is porn. I know. That's why I'm So adult I, animation... I, I, I totally understood why you were uncomfortable because I had to say, I told you I had to reread it because I'm like, are they talking about Velma porn? Yeah. I don't like it. What, what, what could we call this? Mature animation? No. Is that, is that no. wolf animation now? Is that, what we're, is that what we're getting at? I'm not sure. I still don't like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. TVMA an animation. Hmm. May I guess maybe, maybe, eighteen and up animation. No, see, it still doesn't <laughs> work. There's something about it. We'll workshop it. We'll come back to it. 
Uh, where we were badly. <laughs> uh, fired on Mars, an existential workplace comedy set on the Martian campus of a modern tech company. SNL's Pete Davidson will be lending his voice to one of the characters. HBO Max also renewed J.G. <laughs> Kintel's adult animated comedy close enough for two more seasons. <laughs> I saw, I saw it down the road and I laughed because I knew it was going Where are you on. reading? Where is this from? It's on IGN. Oh, okay, runonsentence.com. Apparently. <laughs> it's a tremendous privilege to build on the 100-plus year legacy of cartoons at this company. We can draw a straight line from our hundreds of childhood hours spent watching Bugs Out with Elmer to the current slate of adult animated projects we're building here at HBO Max, and we think fans will agree, <laughs> said Susanna Makos, HBO Max's EVP of original comedy and adult animation. <laughs> Why is nobody? Why has nobody flagged this? <laughs> it's made her official. T- she has a business card with this on it. We're proud to introduce. Call it cartoons after dark. <laughs> Still kind of not better. <laughs> we are proud to introduce this distinctive group of series from a wide range of diverse creators that will perf- that will form a first stop destination for. Well, there is also. Uh, this is also pulling on something that like there's. There's also the idea that people dismiss things that are animated um, more rapidly than they will something that is live action, and it almost like part of you wants to like say like how do you how do you get the show information across and just don't even include the fact that it's animated because I feel like that makes you think a certain way about it. And now that you're saying adult animation is not making that thing better, <laughs> better or worse, adult animation or adult cartoons. Mm-hmm. Worse, maybe? I think maybe worse. Adult cartoons doesn't sounds seems weird to me. It's porny as well? Okay. You know what it is? Cartoon feels childlike. So then saying adult cartoon is just a whole other level of uncomfortable. (laughs) It's a little bit oxymoronic. Yeah. It's just a show! It's (laughs) But they need to let you know that it's going to be animated. Just, just say it's an animated show that airs at 7 o'clock or later. <laughs> well, that? the whole point Let's is it's going to be HBO Max, so it could, technically it could air at 7 a.m. as well. That's true. That's true. I don't know. Well, we're, we're moving past it. I can't get hung up on this anymore. It's terrible. Uh, are you going to watch the Velma show? I mean, probably not. Yeah, okay. Me neither. Uh, unless I hear that it's really good for some reason. Clone High, though. <laughs> Never heard of it. No, but just because the concept sounds it's, sounds it's a it's a Lord it's Miller and Bill Lawrence show. So yeah, I'm it, it can be silly. Well, we'll see. Uh, oh, so it's is adult that, animated. In, in this. <laughs> is that it for uh, for news and nuggets? Yeah, that's all I got. Then I think it certainly must be time for fun and games. What do you think? Sure. All right, here we go. I've got a quiz for you. Um, I'm not sure how many questions it is, so. Oh, no. Didn't we make this mistake last week? We sure did. I wonder if it says. There's six. Okay. Six questions. Not so bad. This is a Heath Ledger quiz. Mm. Pick a hobby. Singing. That's it. No (laughs) multiple choice. Singing, camping, playing tricks on people, making things, drugs, or jousting. (laughs) I, I don't think I would do any of those things. Let's go with jousting. Jousting? Making things seems like it would be something that you'd want yeah, to Yeah, maybe, I guess. Blonde, brunette, or colorful? Um, brunette? Okay. 
I want you to know that they showed three different pictures of Jennifer Lawrence with different hair. Pick an emotion. Confusion, frustration, joy, spacey, anger, or sadness. I'm sorry, pick an emotion? Yeah. Could you read those again? Confusion, frustration, joy, spacey, Kevin, (laughs) anger, or sadness. Sorry, because I was confusion for a second, but let's go with joy, I guess. All right, I am not happy with what just happened there. I did not touch anything. You said joy, and joy highlighted on the screen. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right, uh, pick a color. Purple, blue, brown, rainbow, green, red. Green. A couple problems here. Purple is pink on the screen. (laughs) Rainbow is not a color. And red is a white box with the word red in it. (laughs) Is the font red? Nope. Ah. You said green? Green. Yeah. What? What? What you care about most in a relationship. Now, how many what's are in that sentence? Uh, It took me a minute because it's not a sentence, first off. (laughs) And second, there's no punctuation. So I didn't know where to start or end. (laughs) So what you care about most in a relationship. Sex, looks, commitment, control. Jesus. Fun and dependency. I think this should filter people out (laughs) if anybody answers control. Is this secretly like a psych quiz? Like I don't know. Um, I guess fun. Okay, seems reasonable. Where could you see yourself in twenty years? Rehab. Jesus. Reading Shakespeare in your suburban home, in jail, living with your princess or prince in a castle, working as a repairman in a big city, living in a cabin. With your significant other, where no one can find you. This is a dramatic question. Mm. Hmm. I guess the castle one. Why not? Sure, that sounds fun. I'm calculating results. Hey, this is 100% based on the answer to your first question. So, the quiz was which Heath Ledger character would you date? And you, Al, will be dating William Thatcher. You are determined, athletic, and a bit stuck up. You like to dream big and will do anything to get what you want and prove you're the best. You also have a thing for blondes and love guys who will do anything to prove he's the one for you. Didn't I explicitly choose brunette? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You sure did. But this answer was generated on the first question that you answered. It was the jesting one. Obviously. (laughs) With that, let us get into our flick of the week. A Knight's Tale, released in 2001, rated PG-13 with a 2-hour and 12-minute runtime. Your IMDb synopsis. After his master dies, a peasant squire, fueled by his desire for food and glory, creates a new identity for himself as a knight. That's great! Fueled for his desire for food and <laughs> And glory. I mean, I feel like you could have just said glory. Like, the food I, yeah. thing goes in the rear view pretty quick. I, I kind of love that. Uh, well, for him, maybe. But Alan Tudyk is all about his food. Watt is never not hungry. It's so good. That it's and a- Fonging people. Peppermint creams. <laughs> um, 
Al, give me your give me your tweet length review. Uh, sure. So very of its time, and also of the 1980s. But that's <laughs> not necessarily a bad thing. It's a good movie with some heart. 7.5 out of 10. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, I probably would have went 7.5 if I did half scores. Um, I'm going to give you two tweet length reviews because I couldn't decide, and you're going to decide which one you prefer. Okay. Sound good? First one. A Knight's Tale. You've been weighed, you've been measured, and you have been found worthy. Nice. Seven nice. out of ten. Okay. Right. Reading number two. A Knight's Tale. It's silly, it's funny, it's made little to no money. Lichtenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Seven out of ten. <laughs> uh, I like both of them. Uh, uh-huh. I'm going to go with the weighed and measured one. That was good. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Man, I, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. Uh, I've watched it a lot in the past. Yeah, I don't know why I was so confused and we were messaging earlier. Uh, I thought this was another one of the ones that, like, when we did Point Break, where it was like, oh, that's a movie we've always wanted to get around to, never watched before. I thought that was in the same category as this one. I don't remember you telling me that you've watched this many times. Oh, yeah. So many times I've seen this one. I, I just am a big fan. There's just something special about it. Like, it's, I think what I love most, the movie's unique. I don't think there's other movies like it. Well, that's part of what into what went into me saying it's of its time because they don't really make movies like this anymore. No, but there are other. I'm sure they're coming any off the top of my head, but there are movies like that from that time of like late '90s to early 2000s. I, and while I agree with that, I will say it, it feels like it's bits of all of those types of movies without ever being fully like one or another. Yeah, there's no other movie where it's like oh, this is the same as that. But like, there are so many elements to this that feel like so many movies of that time. Right, right. And I will say there's there's a bit of that that I adore and I love, and it but it also makes me a little bit sad is that the way that the movie shot, the way that the story is written, the way that it all comes together and it's put on screen, it feels like the only, it's not like, it's not trying to do anything groundbreaking. It is ha- having fun. Like the movie yes. is having fun. It's a fun, it's entertaining. It is a, it's just a, it's just a very enjoy. It is purely entertainment. It's just a very enjoyable movie to watch. I don't, I can't remember a movie like this in recent years. Like, I, yeah. Um, you know, weirdly guardians of the galaxy. Sure. I, I could see why you would say that. And it has a part of it, but it doesn't, it's not the whole package. Well, it's going to be hard to have a kind of semi-futuristic space movie that's incredibly sensational and compare that with a kind of stripped-down small story about medieval times, right? But 50,000-foot view, you have kind of a bunch of nobodies who are thrown together, become something more than they are, you know, are at, at odds, and they kind of create this family unit, take on people that they are not even in their same weight class as them and win and win over everyone around them who counted mm-hmm. them out or actively hated them and mix into that the whole aspect of the music being very important to the way the movie's presented to you. That's why I would say that those are very similar experiences. Yeah. Okay. I, I can see what you're saying. The, old, the and the part where I where I think that it differs though 
is at the end well, of the I day... Well, I mean, there's plenty of them, but still. Well, well <laughs> as far as, like, uh, construction of the movie, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, from the outset, was, like, it was shooting to be an A+. Right? The, the scope of these movies is obviously wildly different. The budget and, like, expectation are wildly different. But at its yeah. core, the experience of this movie, it's... There's aspects of, like, coming of age, but it's more about coming together... Yeah, um, from wildly different backgrounds. Well, yeah. I mean, I an entertaining and ensemble that like comes together. Yeah. No, well, it, the, it, the other the other part of it, I was going to say is there is an acknowledgement of darkness, mm-hmm. but it's not. It never actually really dips its toes into. Yeah, it's like they're like, let's be clear, this is not a dark movie. <laughs> yes, like bad things could happen. We yeah. we understand that this is real life, and there are consequences in this world. There aren't going to be any in this story, but like. They exist. Like, they're over there around the corner. Like, they're yeah. there. Mm. They're not here, though. Like, they're over there. Yeah, because but because at the end of the day, it comes together more like a fantasy novel. Like, that's uh, like an old-school fantasy novel. I There's parallels between this and The Princess Bride. Like, there's a, there's a yeah. certain lighthearted... There's comedy. There's love. There's fun. There's a little bit of revenge, but it's not, it's, it's not, not as deep as, as Princess Bride. But, like, I don't know. It's got, it's got all of those... It's just a good, it's a great recipe. It's hearty. It's a hearty recipe. And I love it. I really enjoy it. Every minute of it. It is the. Would you say that this is chicken soup for the soul? It's tomato soup for your ass. It's. (laughs) (laughs) That was a line from The Sopranos, the only line that I liked. Oh, yeah. Um. Well, but it, it's it, I don't know, there's something there is something special about it. It has a certain feel. Definitely has to do with the execution, the writing. But when I say like. Guardians is like an AA plus movie. This movie is more like a me in high school. Like I'm going for the B and I'm going to be fine with it. <laughs> like that's <laughs> well, what was funny is as I was watching this, I was like, I can't tell what it is about this movie. Is it a small budget or is it like the first time someone's written or directed a movie or something like that? I think it's the latter, actually, because the budget mm. wasn't super small. Actually, sixty-five higher than I expect. Yeah, it was sixty-five million. I was like, oh, I was expecting like twenty-five. Right, right, like, half. <laughs> there's no names in this movie. Like they became names, but sure. at the time the movie was made, none of these people. Yeah, like not in a noteworthy sense. Like mm. Heath Ledger was only just becoming famous at that time. Because that's right. He, he had a three-year run of. 10 Things I Hate About You, The Patriot, and this. So it's like... Well, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, uh, have you seen that? No, but I'm okay. familiar with it. But that movie, like, that, that's the vibe, though. Like, this has, like, it feels like, a, I was going to say that, like a high school, like a, what was that movie that we watched? Get Over It? Is that what it was yes. called? Like, it's like that movie, but with jousting. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it harkens back to me saying it's of its time, because that movie yeah. 2001, 10 Things yeah. I Hate About You is 1999. This is 2001. Oh, I can't wait till we do 10 Things I Hate About You. I love that movie. Yeah, I know a lot of people like that one. I just never got... I mean, obviously, it was like before my... Like, I'm only going to watch it when it came out. Sure. And it's just... I, I've seen a bunch of those types of movies over the years, but there's so many of them I was never going to get to all. Type of thing. Yeah. Um, what I... Uh, I was doing some digging when I was trying to find out this whole thing where I was like, oh, is it the small budget thing? Is it the first-time director or first-time writer or, like, kind of art house. Well, not art house, but, like, indie type of thing or whatever. And so <laughs> I found some interesting things. Uh, so the director is 
Brian Helgeland. Helgeland? I'm not entirely sure how it's pronounced. Bassinger? Mm-hmm. Bassinger? <laughs> uh, um, so uh, that name was familiar to me. I didn't know what I knew him from, but the name was familiar. So I dug deeper. And he has directed nine things. This was okay. his second feature film that he directed. Okay. The f- first was Payback in 1999. It was a, seems like a kind of a B action movie starring Mel Gibson. Then right. he directed. I think I've seen directed, that. Obviously, I've never heard of it before this. Um, then he directed A Night's Tale. Um, then he directed something called The Order, which I didn't click on and I know nothing about. And then he did a direct to video Payback Straight Up, which was a fantastic second Mel Gibson movie. Uh, then he did 42, the Jackie Robinson movie from several oh. years ago. I was like, oh, that's a kind of a big step up. And then he did Legend, which we did, the Tom Hardy Twins movie. Huh. And then he has two other things that are pre-production, The Finest Kind and Buttonman, The Killing Game. But he has a bigger history of writing things. Okay. Uh, so there was a couple of random like TV show things that he did. Then he wrote the screenplay for Assassins. Then he wrote the screenplay for L.A. Confidential in 1997, which won a fucking Oscar for the Jeez. screenplay. Then he wrote The Postman. He wrote Payback, which he directed. He Wait, didn't The Postman not win for writing? Did it? Script? I don't know. I thought The Postman was up for something. Well, it may have been nominated, but it may not have won. Okay. Oh, I doubt it because it has a 29 Metascore. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe not. Um, oh, wait. No, seven wins in nominations. Let's see what we have here. Um, no, the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe it's not what I'm thinking of. No, I don't think it's what you're thinking of. <laughs> I was gonna say, I've, I've never heard of this movie before. It stars Kevin Costner. No, that is exactly what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I don't believe it won anything, no. Okay. Um, sorry, Payback Night's Tale. Then he wrote Bloodwork. Have you ever seen Bloodwork? Bloodwork? That sounds Clint Eastwood movie. Familiar. No. Actually, decent late Clint Eastwood stuff. Um, well, late, it's 20 years ago, but still. Um, it's a decent little thriller movie. Um, okay. Mystic River, which I've never seen, but I've mm-hmm. heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote Man on Fire. This guy all over the map. That and this is why I'm saying when I'm looking it up, I'm like, my goodness, who the fuck is this guy? He went Brian to Helgeland like, early in his career for writing. Um, then he has some weird stuff, some okay stuff, some bad stuff, some good stuff. Uh, Man on Fire is a fucking phenomenal movie. Um, yeah. Taking of Pelham 1 to 3, which is a remake. Um, then Cirque to Freak, The Vampire's Assistant. Was that the Wait, John C. Riley one, I think? I think so. Green Zone, which is one of those nameless Matt Damon movies. Um, the Russell Crowe Robin Hood. He wrote 42. He wrote Legend. He wrote Spencer Confidential, which was that. The Russell Crowe Robin Hood was bad. I didn't see it. I heard it was very boring. Yeah. I um, want you to know that you said Russell Crowe, and I was like, the Russell Crowe Robin Hood? And I was thinking Russell Brand. <laughs> 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 and that movie, I would watch. <laughs> it would have to be like a Johnny Depp-esque version of Robin Hood Men in Tights, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm picturing. Directed by Tim Burton? Hmm. Maybe. So then Maybe. he wrote Spencer. He wrote Spencer Confidential last year, which was not a very good movie. I saw it. It's uh, apparently a remake of an '80s show. Okay. Um, Spencer Fryer, I think, which was a series of books. So anyway, super weird. Yeah, he's all over career for this guy. Um, there's definitely been some unquestionably really good, but there's been some bad. 
I would call him wildly inconsistent on account of I've seen a number of those things and I don't think would have ever guessed they were written by the same person. No. Night's Tale, Man on Fire, <laughs> The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. <laughs> Cirque du Freak, LA Confidential. No, no, absolutely not. Legend, Legend he directed that. Directed it wrote or wrote it? Wrote and directed. No, wouldn't was, have. That was fine. But fine, but I would not have guessed this at all. Yeah, and like, yeah, very different than a lot of the other things. I am, yeah. Weird. Okay, good for you, Brian. And you do what you want. Just get out there. Make your movies, I guess. Good for you. He's, he's, do, he's doing this. He's doing he's it. Taking uh, that's his, seriously. Anyway, um, but there, so go, circling back to this movie can't be made today. It's more so. It's it, it, not it can't be made. It's just not being. No, I don't think it can. Uh, unless you were to like get old tech and revert to practical effects like entirely. Um, I mean, this was basically all practical, right? Like there was That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, like you can't, I feel like you wouldn't be able to make this because it, it just, first off, it just wouldn't be cost effective. That's one uh, for, for what you're, what you're shooting for. I'd really like to know what the budget was spent on because I mean, like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like they had to probably do a lot of, takes they probably have to build those sets although it sounded like they i was reading they made it all in like the czech republic or something like that um hmm. which i'm assuming that's fairly cheaper to make a movie there but like then shooting it in like england or whatever right um but like oh, they had to build all those sets but like how expensive could that really be yeah. uh most of the sets are not that big it's just like little little mini wood arenas that they made um the horses, like there's a lot of horses and armor, so that's that's there gonna be cost. Yeah, co- costumes was probably the bulk of it. I do wonder how much cost was attributed to licensing, like for songs. Yeah, but they're not gonna like that's not millions and millions of dollars. Not millions, but I'm sure it was a chunk of money. And obviously, sure, there was a lot of people in the movie too. There's a lot but of actors, all, but most of it's most of it is extras though. It, but even so, if you think about the main cast, the main but, cast, but none of them, none of them were big yet. They they're were not, bi- they're not big yet. But you split that, like you're talking, like you're probably talking one current, like one more modern mainstream salary split because you had so many of them. Sure, but that's one. So call cast fifteen million dollars. No, like. Think about how many movies you have. How about, what know? about insurance with those practical effects? Well, that's what I was Lawsuits, saying. Only, potentially. Big, Someone got thing. killed during the beginning of this movie. <laughs> the big well, thing, well, actually, the funny thing is that first scene that, you know, where the, the Sir, Sir Hector yeah. um, gets killed. Apparently, that was actually, I think, a scene taken from it was this. It was Heath Ledger's stunt double during one of the things like they, it was an accidental shot that hit him in the head, and they used that for the scene of that was I was I got I accidentally clicked on the trivia. I caught a couple of little trivia things, which oh my actually goodness. was another cool one. But that was one of them. They, they used that scene. They're like, oh, this is perfect for the, the our night gets fucked up scene. Um, wow. But, so like, there is definitely going to be some expense to staging all of that jousting. Like that would be expensive to the choreography, maintaining the horses and keeping them healthy. Probably like a bunch of horses, right? Um, Mm-hmm. All the actors and stunt doubles who are like doing the jousting, like it's going to be a, probably a bunch of takes for all of those. So yeah. like, that's definitely going to be expensive, but I don't know. It just for that time, 65 million, I would have expected there would have been some sort of CGI or whatever to be that sort of cost, considering there's no names in the cast for, for that time. 
Sure. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it is interesting. There's definitely, like you said, that, that whole, the setup is expensive. I would imagine the amount, the lack of, of visual effects, it just like amplifies how many people were really in space for that. Right. Like there was a lot of extras. Then it's like well, the number but, of so locations. I don't know. It, it does seem like it was in different locations, like the shoots. From what I was reading, I think it was basically all shot in the Czech Republic, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even even so, like it almost seems like the setup of wherever they did like the jousting. Like, they did seem different enough. Well, I'm sure that they did solid. it in different little towns or whatever yeah. just to get slightly different um, geography around them. Um, the other little thing in the trivia that I saw that I found entertaining has to do with the fact that it was shot in the Czech Republic and we're talking about the many actors and actresses or in this case, extras during the scene. I think it was when he does the melee, the first, like the melee that he does where he's Mm -hmm. fighting with the sword and they announce him. Right. And there's no response. And then Mark Addy yells and they all start cheering. Yeah. That's, that was a take the, the, all the extras were Czech and they didn't understand what Paul Bettany was saying. And they didn't respond until Mark Addy cheers him. And they left that in as the take because it was so unintentionally funny. This movie is an eight <laughs> going up. That's they, they, awesome. That I was, love they, that. They did that whole thing. No one understood what he was saying. Uh... So they didn't respond because they didn't know he was done like heralding him and Mark Eddy. So goes, good. Yeah. And then they all start cheering because they followed his lead. <laughs> oh my goodness. Ah, oh, that is fantastic. Uh, so much fun. The characters, I love them all. They're so much fun. You want to talk about a character who I didn't expect to, well, sorry, not that I didn't expect to enjoy. When I first saw him on screen, I was like, this person's familiar I don't know why they seem familiar to me. Then I looked it up and I was like, wait, her? And it was Kate. And Kate is played by the actress who played Lydia on Breaking. Yeah. Didn't realize that was her at first because, I mean, obviously she was like 10 years younger and also medieval now. Instead of sure. Um, but I hated Lydia so much. Yeah. And I ended up really liking Kate yeah. in this movie. And I was like, who would have thought? <laughs> oh, man. So... Yeah, th- oh my goodness, it's so entertaining. I do love, I love the mix-in of modern music, or at the time, modern music, um, with the medieval vibe. I thought that that was great. And just the fact that they all know it, I, one of the cool things about the movie, like, there's no, it's like, that's weird that they're playing that music. Oh, it goes over this scene well. But they're, like, the characters on screen are hearing that music. That's, I think, what makes it unique and weird. Because well, the, I, I did think it was cool how they stitched together "We Will Rock You" with the like the medieval people like doing their own version of a chant clap, and they sync perfectly. But it's they're not singing that song. Oh, but they are because the king <laughs> sings the lyrics. I think just that one little bit though. It's great though. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's fantastic. And then the fact that they they did the whole the horns playing as if that, that's the that guitar, yes. and then they stop and the music stops. Great scene. Yes, I love that. Uh, it's just it, the movie is super charming. the uh, The set design is great, like because like aside from the music, it very much feels like a it. It feels like going to a Renaissance fair. It feels like going to medieval times. Like they they nailed they nailed it across the board. There's no seams except for the music, but that seam is placed there intentionally. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a lot of fun. It's just, and also there's like a modern sensibility to the way that the characters act towards each other, how accepting they are of each other, what they're trying to do. And like, I don't know. It's just, it's a weirdly, uh, it feels like a weirdly modern story set in an older time. And it's just, it's, it's just really fun to watch. Well, that part of it, I could actually see what you're getting at with the get over it thing. Like there mm-hmm. is some of that kind of feel to it um, as far as how that they let the, the story unfold and like the interplay between the characters and the chemistry. Cause they do end up all having really great chemistry. Yeah. Uh, like the main ensemble, um, which is, which is really good. Uh, Cause really ultimately they all kind of come to love each other with maybe the exception of Watt and Jeff. Um, <laughs> oh, they get together at the end. At the very end, but very it literally end. takes until the bitter end for them to finally kind of come to terms and they're still sticking it to each other. Like, you know, like it's, it feels playful when like Mark Addy, what, what was his Robin? Was that his name? Uh, Roland. Roland. I know something. Um, <laughs> you know, Roland is like, like needling like Watt or, or will like it, that all feels very good natured. Whereas like Watt, like pretty sure he pretty commonly threatened to rape Jeff. Um, yeah. It was a little uncomfortable. He's going to gut him. No, he's going to fong him. Oh, that's right. That's right. I kept saying fong. I, I've never heard that. First. <laughs> but at one point, I think he refers to someone or something's fong hole. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he threatens the, the angry mob with fonging them, too, if they come anywhere near. Yep. That's true. That's true. He's all about that. <laughs> I uh, I do love though how like I love the relationship of Watt and uh, Jeffrey. Yeah, that, that Watt and Jeffrey. So uh, I thought it was Joffrey Chaucer, but I guess it's Jeffrey. Yeah, I just like the the fact that it because you know it is. Uh, we said like you know it, it has that resemblance of a, a get over it of a ten things I hate about you of like that late high school early college movie uh, and the guys like the immature guys have those same relationships as like you might remember from that time of like, they're always like teasing each other and getting at each other. And like that whole scene, I love the scene. I know that the jokes, the jokes are like, it wouldn't necessarily hold up today, but at the time that it was written and you having lived through that time, you know, those jokes, you know, that time, you know how people were like, it was, it, it captures it perfectly well. And Paul Bettany is, is hitting the stick on and he's like one two three four one two three four what doesn't lead he follows like a girl and then he gets punched in the face and like that like that stupid like brawling man child like thing was great uh, honestly like maybe it's a bit of a cop out but like you can also ascribe to i mean like for damn sure sensibilities were different back then Mm -hmm. so i mean like if you want to say it's playing is somewhat realistic now there are definitely a lot of sequences where modern sensibilities have been imprinted upon or on top of what's going on historically there. Right. So like sure. that is very of its time, like that sort of like emasculation, like homophobia stuff, whatever, like that is of yes. the time of the early 2000s for sure. Though yeah. in this case, it's, it's entertaining. Not, it's not entertaining because of the homophobia stuff. It's entertaining purely just because it's, he's getting under Watskin. Cause he knows yeah. he's going to get under Watskin. Cause because that wouldn't have gotten under Willskin. No. 
Not, not at all. And then probably wouldn't have got under Roland skin, but it was going to get under Watt skin. Yeah. And then just to go a step further, and he goes, uh, so one, two, three, four, one, two, three, you can hit me all day because you punch like a Watt. And they got to Roland, and he goes, a girl! Like, just the way that that all, like, and, and the two of them constantly fighting each other. And then for that to all wrap up in the end, with uh, Jeffrey saying one more, like making one more dig at him, but instead of getting upset, Watt like grabs him and gives him like a like a like little knucklehead thing. It's yeah. <laughs> so funny. It's like their relationship blossoms over the course of the movie, and it's really funny. From starting the first time that those two characters see each other in the beginning, he's like, "If you are lying to us," and the threats that Watt makes it with a knife in his face, it's really funny. But uh. The, the the satisfaction on Roland's face when he finishes the sentence is that's what's funny about this scene because he's he's knitting oh no he's sewing the yeah the, he's sewing the tunic the, the, yeah so not the tunic but the tunic <laughs> uh, Alan Tudyk he's a really good actor yes uh, he's a fantastic voice actor yes he's Equally good on screen. The only thing uh, is that's a little odd. I think he relies on that facial tick a little bit of where where he pouts and his lip quivers mm-hmm. because like he did the exact same thing as Steve the pirate sure. when uh, when he's down in the dumps. You know what I mean? Like, but other than that, yes, I think he is because he's got a wide range. He can play like manic, like Watt. He can play emotional, which he does a little bit as Watt you know, does his. Steve the pirate, um, mm-hmm. he can do like rambunctious and all that. Like he's he's got good range. Like because you can buy him as I, he. There's nothing about him that feels tough in any way. And in this, when he's threatening people at times, you know, it's so, like oh, I believe he's a psychotic killer. Like yeah. <laughs> um, although it's funny because then they turn that on its head a little bit during the mob scene where it's just him as a like a blowhard, right? Because like you like like you believe. That he believes he'll fight to the death for his friend, but no one's threatened by him in that scene. Now, right. Maybe it's just because it's like there's so many people or whatever, but like it feels like he's fall his threats are falling on deaf ears, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then you can buy him being emotional, like when he's, you know, I'm always the one, he says later, you know, I'm always the one who says stand and fight or whatever, but I'm saying today we need to run, right? And like yeah. that was like a powerful scene for all of them, for him especially. I- I don't understand how they were able to make so many heavy hitting emotional scenes in this ridiculous story. And that's what I was saying, like kind of where it's like, Oh, like it's an acknowledgement that things could be dark and that like the world is real. Right. Because Mm -hmm. there are a couple of times where they choose to make it real. The scene, we don't often discuss the movie beforehand, but you were messaging me about, you know, if you don't feel something during the scene with the father, when he comes home, like, yeah. Yeah. Like I almost, like I got choked up, like because yeah. like, like you could see it coming. I'm like, oh god, he's like he's gonna be able. Like, oh, okay, will he recognize him? Like, is he gonna say it? Whatever. And he's, you see him put it together. And yeah. Like, I, did he follow his feet? I was like, nope, I'm out. It's over. <laughs> I can't watch this. <laughs> like it's real, man. Like that was. I mean, like the the, the they give the father like four lines in this movie. And yeah. He stabs you in the heart with that line. It, more realistically, when he said, did he follow his feet? I went, yeah, he followed his feet. He's right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, question on that scene. 
they're sitting there after they after they embraced, they're catching up, they're relaxing, they're sitting together, they're enjoying a meal. The roof is leaking. It's not good enough for a Thatcher, good enough for a blind Thatcher, that whole scene. Mm-hmm. Is a Thatcher a person that fixes a roof? Yeah, so when the roofs don't have like tiles or shingles, but they have hay and mud. It's called thatch. Right. Thatch roof. So, right. Yes, yeah, so thatcher is one of so, the roofs. Here's the question. At what point was the leaking roof written in? Probably when they decided that he was going to be blind. Okay. I'm curious if like well, because, when like, did the name Thatcher come in though? What's that? Like, like <laughs> I'm curious, like, which came first? Did they, was the name Thatcher, and then they were like, oh, let's make the roof leak? Or after the roof roof leaking scene, because his father was blind and couldn't fix it, and then did they piece together that they could make his last name Thatcher and rewrite the rest of the scenes? Here's a little history lesson you may already know, but in case you don't, here's something the more you know. What do you got? What do you got? Back then, they didn't really have last names for peasants. Your last name tended to be your job. So, like, today, people you know whose last name is Miller or Thatcher or Cooper are descendants of people who once were Thatchers or Millers or Coopers. So... I imagine the name came first because Thatcher would have been a peasant job. It would have been a job. The, the name done. came first. And it, I, the thing is, and then it, when they were writing that scene, they were like, let's make the roof leak and make a joke. Well, no, because like, it's a totally normal can. thing. Like everyone knows that thatch roofs eventually will leak and they need to yeah. be thatched. So like, yeah. oh, uh, they, I, so I'm saying, I'm sure that the leaky roof came after the time, after they decided to make him blind. And it's like, oh, we can have a funny joke because he can't thatch anymore because he's blind and he makes fishnets, I guess. I think so. Yeah, it was it's a very it's a very Thatcher of the egg situation. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Don't thatch your chickens before they thatch. Let's, nice. Oh, that one's better. I like that one. All right, uh, let's let's do a run through of the movie and, and stop along the way, shall we? Been enjoying this lately. We've been going after we talk about it for a bit. We've been doing this. I feel like where we go through the movie because it, it it stirs up some thoughts about things along the way. Uh, we're introduced to our we're introduced to our dead knight, who is <laughs> what a tremendous way to start the movie. Off, He's already dead. <laughs> it really is great, and I I do love the scene of uh, Roland and William with their arm around each other talking to them, like oh well, yeah, he'll be there in a minute, and in the background Watt is just kicking and cursing <laughs> the dead knight it's just so stupid uh but that that sets up the the entire storyline and what i love about it is the because like also building on like the relationship these characters have the any one of them that had that ambition could have been the lead of the story they're all in the same boat they're all squires king's too fat for his armor what Sorry, that's a season one Game of Thrones reference. Mark Addy is King Robert Baratheon. Oh, whoa! <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> well done. Go uh, fetch the breastplate stretcher. <laughs> that's 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 fair. He's probably too big for the armor. Um. Anyway, that was just something I thought considering about. Considering the armor didn't fit Will, which yeah. is like a whole part of the storyline. Oh, so good. I can't even move in it. Um. So, you know, they, they they win that first contest. I love the concept that when they win the first joust that 
they don't want to show his face because people know what the knight looks like, but the playing into the, the bent helmet and being like, it's stuck. <laughs> like, I can't, <laughs> I can't take it off is fantastic. Uh, and then not, not 15 into this, 15 minutes into this movie, we get a montage. And if, if there's anything that you've learned from this show, it's, I love a good montage. And we got like three of them in this montage. movie. <laughs> that, that, them training in the woods and him missing like family guy missing it where he missed it he missed it he missed it it's like they all keep right getting enough easier and easier and, and he's, he's still missing wildly. And, and then you just start laughing again to the point where he finally gets the ring when they're pulling him and he falls into the water any minute now he'll come up yeah because apparently they didn't realize that guys in armor will drown yeah <laughs> which also by the way i think that scene is the only scene of this movie I've actually seen before this. Not even the whole sequence, but like mm. I remember seeing him riding and um, trying to hit the dummy that was on with like the spinning bag that smacks him upside the back. Smacks, yeah, it's very slapstick, but I, I, I do enjoy that scene. Uh, yeah, he, he makes his way. I, I do love after they, you know, they've trained, they're, they're, they've got their oh, plan. Sorry, before we get to that though. Just a stupid scene that is perfect for Watt's character, though, is when he says, if you can take the coins, you can have them, and they both immediately attack him. Yeah. And Watt bites him. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Well, you can see how hungry I am. Perfectly written character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Damn your stomach. <laughs> uh, so well, I do love the, like, so we're trained, we're ready to go, we're going to walk to the next thing, or we're riding to the next thing. And like then they're, then they're bickering, but like it's kind of like, playful like the whole like uh, i'm gonna ride the horse now and it's like i don't think i would i don't think a knight would let his squire ride the horse <laughs> like he's not wrong <laughs> which that that whole thing was great and then our introduction to chaucer <laughs> who, who yeah to paul bettany's ass who is just walks walks on screen pats the horse says good morning without skipping a beat and continues walking that is great. I love that stupid comedy. I just think that's super silly. Whereas, like, there's an alternate timeline or alternate universe version of this movie where that character, like, just keeps going. Like, if this is a Mel Brooks movie, that character is written, walks onto the screen, says hello, keeps going, and we never see him again. <laughs> and if it's a Kevin Smith movie, that character is George Carlin. He cracks a joke, <laughs> and then we never see him again. That's right. That's right. But no, he becomes like a main character uh, who is perfectly, you know, perfect timing. He is, uh, he is there because he can write things, uh, including letters of pa- papers of something. Papers of... Pa- patents of... Patents. Uh... I mean, I'm assuming that was supposed to be patent, right? Patents, patents of, of royalty, uh, nobility, patents okay. of nobility. So yeah, uh, prove that you, yeah, you know, basically birth certificate, birth certificate, yeah, yeah. pedigree, pedigrees, and birth certificates, and all that. Also, I was totally not expecting them to have a real life character in this story. <laughs> like maybe like the King Edward or King Richard or whoever the hell King was. Mm-hmm. I guess in this case it was Edward, right? But I wasn't expecting, and we didn't even see King Edward, right? But um, I was not expecting a real life historical character to. But, life. but was he? Was that his actual name? Jeffrey Chaucer, yeah. No, but was that him? Because in that same scene, he also gives a few other names. And he's like, oh, no, I mean, Charlemagne. Oh, I mean, and he gives two. And then Will holds a knife to him. And I don't well, think no, we actually ever that, learn his real name. He did that to make fun of Will. Because Will comes up with a name off the spot. And he's just calling bullshit on him. Is that what that is? 
Yeah, because he doesn't. He says he goes, "I'm Jeffrey Chaucer or whatever," and he goes, "I'm right or whatever." He goes, "Who are you?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm uh, Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein." And then he makes up names for the other two. He goes, "Oh, I'm Charlemagne." I mean, I'm Richard oh, uh, Lionheart. Good. Hey, um, man, that's a great. Just that's bullshit. a great call. Okay, I never, I never took the scene that way, and I think you're absolutely right. That's great. Um, okay, cool. So that's it. yeah. That, so you're right. Because, that is, cause, that is cause, funny. Because immediately after that, he pulls a knife and he says, "You know, if you say now that right, I right, believe now that I believe because he's okay. he just calling bullshit on him." It all makes more sense now. Uh, I do like that. Ah, oh, that's so great because he is he is the smartest character. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, he fun. should be. I mean, he's not really nobility, but he's he's rubbed elbows with nobility, obviously, as a writer. Right. Being writing patents of nobility, right? Like he's. I mean, he's basically like a notary public. Yeah. I mean, like he's put like stamps on all sorts of official documentation while trying to get off the ground his career as a writer, right? Right. Oh, man, that's funny. So uh, I do love also um, when he's his herald and he does it like a, a, like a, I guess at the time, of filming a modern announcer for <laughs> the whole Sir Oracle. You know what he is, is? He's basically like the guys like doing like the hype stuff for like a WWE fight. Yes, a hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. It's great. Well, uh, the one that he does was during the first main tournament when the, the before he loses to Count Adamar, I think it was, where he gives all of his like titles and his accomplishments. I, that that was I, I said fuck right before we got started. I was trying to put my name on the protector uh, of Italian, Italian virginity. virginity. That was what I was trying to put as too many characters. I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> what a great accomplishment, the protector of Italian virginity. <laughs> uh, so silly that uh, and he, yeah, so he gets him. He writes the paper. He gets him in. He wins. Uh, does he win his first joust? He, well, he he loses. He comes in second place. He loses to Count. He wins the first one with like the whole lead established by Serector. Right. And he just he holds on to win the tournament. He loses that. That's right. And wins the tournament. Then he comes in, wins a bunch of matches, but loses to Adamar at the end of it. Takes yeah. Place. But he won. He won the melee. So. Right. Right. So I do. We, we got a little bit of a we got a little bit of montage action there of like the over over the course of the movie of jousting and and melee battle and all that stuff, which is great. It's a lot of fun to watch uh, mixed with some great music. Then we then we're introduced to. Well, actually, it was I, I think it's before it's before his first joust, right, that he, we're introduced to the to the love interest of the film. Yeah, it's when they first show up in town. He's wandering around on the horse and he sees her walking right and he follows her into the church which i actually found hysterical because i realized like wow churches were way different back then because i guess they didn't have pews because that should have probably tipped him off as to the fact that also he rode his horse into the middle of a yep so yep uh (laughs) because he's so taken with uh with jocelyn right Um, i i love her defense when she laughs she's laughing at him and when the priest is all upset she's like i only left to stop me from weeping and i was like this is great (laughs) also oh god who cursed me with this beauty yes it is a curse (laughs) (laughs) god works Uh, in mysterious ways (laughs) so silly uh we don't find out her name until later um for that moment on she is just foxy lady which is great. 
<laughs> which is great because that's also she is the way in which we are introduced to Adamar. And the second, the very second he comes onto the screen, I was like, bad guy. Yeah. Yes. He didn't open his mouth. What I is his face? <laughs> I was like, oh, he's got villain face. Yeah. What is that? Why did, what is villain? You're not wrong. He 100% has villain face. And like ultimately like right when he starts jousting or whatever, like he's in all black. So that's how we know he's the bad guy, right? For sure. And the way we hear him talk, it's obvious he's a condescending asshole. But yeah, there's there's some I, clear design language there. But it, there is funny, though. Before any of that, though, just his face. I was like, that's the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, he does have bad guy face. He does. It's something about the, it's the scowl. He wasn't even really scowling. I mean, he was as neutral as his face is in the whole movie. Yeah, oh, yes, I guess. Yeah, I don't know, man. That the whole thing. And his shitty Herald, who then tries to copy our our. <laughs> The Champions Herald. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. The end of the movie. Because mm-hmm. the Herald starts weeping and applauding when William beats Adam. Yes. Is he the one who alerted the crown prince? That I want to say yes. Because we don't see that. It happens off screen. But when, when Adamar is talking shit to him when he's getting arrested, they cut to the Herald. He doesn't say anything. He just looks incredibly perplexed and i think he finally was fed up with adamar i think said, so you know too. fuck this this coward went arrest this guy because he can't beat him and i'm calling the prince turns out this movie's deeper than we thought i'm 99 sure that must be what happened i think that harold found him found his uh, his steel as the story went along and he's yeah. genuinely happy to see him win at the end which is kind of a cool way for a character that's there's no character development for it to actually somehow have character development behind the scenes. Yeah, uh, it's, you're right. I, I didn't think about that, but I think you are right. Um, that is also, uh, well, that's another great scene. The knighting scene is another one. If you don't get choked up a little bit, you're, you're dead inside. <laughs> well, we're, we're talking about not just like design language and like the visual language of like movies or whatever. You tend to hold things against certain actors and actresses, right? Or, you know, for the the good and the bad. And when he gets to the joust and he faces, what was his name? Supposed to be like Sir Corville or something like that. Sir Corville or something. Mm. Um, and he, so he comes up to him as they're getting ready to reset for their next tilt. Right. And he, he says, I'm terribly wounded. Um, I'm done. I'm done. But I, my, you know, my honor, I've never not finished. Could, would you permit me to finish and, and then I'll withdraw. You've bested me. And he, Opens half of the mask. Now, I recognize the voice immediately, but you know, he opens the mask and you see him. I'm like, that's James Purefoy. He's always a bad guy. He's gonna ask him for mercy and then betray him. And then we're gonna see if does he lose or whatever. Like, I was 100% certain yeah. he was bullshitting him and he was gonna try and try some underhanded trick. And then when it actually didn't happen, I was like, oh, is no. this the first ever on screen of like James Purefoy is not playing a villain? Right. Now he's that. the noblest of the noble. He got all his noble out of the way for this movie. And then he became the bad guy for all In future. Everything else yeah. ever. <laughs> and w- w- but it was great because I totally didn't see it coming that he was going to be in the crown prince. I just assumed he was going to be some other knight or whatever. Like seeing the, the journey his character went on ended up being yeah. interesting for me. Just as someone who's seen him in a like a handful of different like movies and TV shows. And I'm I'm I enjoy him as an actor. He's a great villain because he does that campy villain voice tremendously mm-hmm. um, to see him turn those talents to good. I, I do love that scene where he takes his hood off 
uh, while Williams in the socks. And he, it was very, <laughs> it was very like Assassin's Creed because they're all there and like they all have weapons or whatever. Yeah. And it was like Jesus Christ, are they like some sort of like group of assassins or whatever? And it's no, it's the it's the Crown Prince and his royal and, guard. Yeah. Now tell me, if, tell me if this crush. I hope, I hope that you laughed at this the same way I did when you're in your watching of this. Uh, I never thought of it before because it's only recently that I've known known of Paul Rudd in this situation. But when he leans over on his knee and looks at William and goes, look at us. <laughs> I, I almost lost it because that's all I can think about. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so entertaining. Uh, I So uh, if, we were to, if we were to step back a bit, we get our... <laughs> actually, uh, naked Paul Bettany... Which time? The first time, right? Then we get into the town, and then he's making more bets, which we get the glimpse of. They did some good... That that was good directing. Great great setup and shots of those scenes. The... Him, like, catching the eye... Like, catching with his eye, like, the dice game. Yeah. And being like, ooh. And you're like, oh. Like, it's like we, we kind of assumed up front, but now we are certain that, like, he is a gambler. That's how he loses his... And, like, a really bad one. A that really bad... Why is he always betting his clothes? I guess that's all he has, but still. Right. right. Uh, well, it, it seems like as punishment when he doesn't have anything that that's to humiliate him, they take his clothes. Not that he's betting them. Well, my, I mean, there's a reason guess. that the... There's that old phrase, you lost your shirt. Like, yeah. It's like, that is a, a yeah. thing. Like, when that's all you've got, you bet your clothes. So, uh, but the, the way that that builds up, it's like, all right, we're taking him in. He's going to do this stuff for us. He's he's good now. Next time we see him, he's naked again. It's like, God damn it, Chaucer. <laughs> also, they were way too ready to just give him everything he asked for. I mean, I guess it was probably because he was a knight. Or at least they, like, they thought he was a knight. Mm-hmm. But he goes, you've humiliated him enough. Give him his clothes back. And also, we'll come back and pay you at an undisclosed time later on. Yeah. They were way too cool to be like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Well, we, like, <laughs> that tracks. they didn't even leave any collateral. No. <laughs> That'd be funny if they left a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that would be on brand. <laughs> uh, so then there's the whole, his armor gets cracked, the whole like going to the blacksmith and introducing Lydia into the fold of characters. We're just going to call her Lydia. I'm going to call her Lydia. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she's like a, just this fantastic blacksmith and Make I love the whole the idea when she makes like the super thin armor for him and it's like it's comfortable and he's like he's he's what Watt's like he's gonna be dead <laughs> and then when he I love like, how they're all like that's not gonna work you stupid girl yeah like, even though it looks beautiful and like they've not tested it they don't know how strong it is or not like sure like it's against convention or whatever and I understand they're stupid medieval people or whatever like but like I mean it looks good yeah. It is metal. It's not like it's like it's not like they poked it and there was a dent in it. It's like, can we at least whack it with something first? No, I'm surprised they went straight to that battering ramp. That like, battering ramp thing was great. When he laughs, he goes, "I didn't feel the thing." <laughs> it was very like Frodo grabbing himself, like you know, and yeah. Aragorn going, "That would have scared a wild boar." <laughs> <laughs> I I love. Uh, it is ridiculous of the the two Nike symbols. The, the upside down swoosh, two of them. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, we get to our, uh, they go to the, di- uh, well, William goes to the dinner. Uh, and I love, I love this, this scene. 
of it's first off, it's ridiculous. He has yeah. his his tunic. Also, the only time we get actual medieval music for a little bit, <laughs> and then it turns into something else. But uh, I do love uh, roll. <laughs> Roland describing his tunic, but like so clearly looking at the tent behind them and describing the colors on it, <laughs> because then he sews that into. Uh, it's so good. I love that. We get also, into. How does it not come out looking like dog shit? He's. I, I don't know. He's. he's like, how does so like? Because like up until then, these they've always found a way to fake it. Like this is the one time where it should have been like we don't have fine cloth. Like, you there's know, a like, there's a backstory here of him being uh, like great with a needle and thread because he was like patching the wounds of the knight that they <laughs> that they worked for, but uh, you know you got to cut some stuff for the two hour movie. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, wait, wait, so they're dancing. I love how like they're they're getting ready to do the dance. First off, I like this idea of like everybody in the room is into the dancing. Right, and we're gonna sit together, and we're gonna all dance the same way at the same time. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. But I love how shitty. What is his name? Uh, Adamar. Shitty Adamar is like, oh, why don't you show us the dance of your hometown? At this point, he is not suspecting that he's not a knight. Oh no, I thought he was. I no, he cool. that comes a, li- a little bit after. I feel like. I think he always has because he knows he's like a hedge knight, but he seems like a particular poor hedge knight. As yeah, it goes because he's like some of these lesser knights, basically peasants. Uh, like, yeah, um, and yeah. Like, that was a thing. Sometimes, like, yeah, you know, like worse than I think he says, or like might as well be. So, yeah, something along those lines. But okay, so his his whole thing is like, oh, I'm gonna embarrass this guy because I'm I'm good at doing that. I could say shitty things while everybody's listening and make myself feel good. And he's like, oh, why don't you show us a dance from your hometown? Uh, it goes like this. And like this, and then Jocelyn's like, "Yeah, I know this dance." And she just ah, and she and she gets in there and she starts dancing. And then, and then my favorite thing in a movie like this with a uh, a dance that everybody does, everybody else knows it right away. Which is great. It's it's a great. Well, mechanic. it was a very simplistic dance, and I guess he was smart enough to use like the one dance that like Kate taught him. Was like, oh, it's very similar to that one. Oh yes, we all know this. Right? Except you, you know, bow. It's like, it's like yeah. Like, oh yeah, no, it's got a couple of moves, but it's basically the electric slide. Remember but that? the rage, okay, yeah, sure. The rage on Adamar's face when his plan is foiled is chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy when he storms out of there. I'm like, ah, suck it, Adamar. <laughs> I hate you because well, he is the douchiest totally of the like, douches. What was in like if Watt was like on like the outer walls of like the. The banquet, like which was like they would let like the like the people like in waiting or like like their squires or whatever. You don't get to come near the main table. You don't need to come near the down. So you're on like the lower tables, or whatever. I could totally have seen him being able to suck it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, storming definitely. Off, and he turns and looks and like he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But right after he says that, he'd be like, "Ooh, a pie." <laughs> he'd eat it. <laughs> Gar, Steve. <laughs> Gosh, Peter. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so we have some fun dancing. They are all getting along. Then they're not getting along because movies. And then, <laughs> but that, that was the one thing is as we the transition in those acts there. There's a couple of fights that they get into, specifically the look, the will centric fights that felt a little hollow. They didn't really feel too sincere. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing 
No, it's it's fine. It it but redeems itself with some good humor that follows it. Like the whole they're fighting, uh, I'm gonna win this for you. And she's like, Ugh. No, <laughs> that one was okay. Some of the other ones were a little bit like put upon. Yeah. Um, that one was okay. Like, I mean, well, the, the first one's a little weird because he's like you would think that even though he's frustrated when he sees her, it would it would be in character for him to have to forget about his frustrations. Yeah, but he does. It wasn't just that. I mean, I, even there was I forget what it was. There's one of the arguments he has with the guys mm-hmm. where he's really adamant about something that felt a little forced. And I'm like, what are you? Why uh, with her the? I just think it escalated quickly, but like it yeah. was at least like it was a something that you'd expect where like one of them is rich and one of them's poor, but he's pretending he's not, but he can't really let it hide because as much as he wants to be this and he wants to be with her, how flippant she is about some of that stuff is gonna rub him the wrong way. And like that's valid. Like mm-hmm. I understand why that case, right? Um and the the whole thing where she says to lose, like that was fucked up, honestly. Like Oh, the only way you can prove you love me is to lose. Why? Based on what? What are we doing here? Uh, uh, yeah, but that that though that made for some great comedy in the uh, the whole setup of the only way to prove it is you have to lose. Then <laughs> prior to that though, you have the scene of the rest of the well, squires I, betting on the game, betting on the hang joust. A second, because that was the funny thing was is I watched this Monday and Tuesday night. Like I basically split it almost dead in the middle. And so I think the last scene I actually watched was him, was them making the bet. He's blood. He's pissed. I'll see you in the list. I couldn't believe he had his own song, which was pretty great. Um, but what is it? He's I cute. Think- he's funny. He makes me lots of money. Gildaland, Gildaland, Gildaland. Did her telling him to lose happen before or after the bet? Uh, after. Okay, so... I watched the scene where they're making the bet. <laughs> yeah. Then I watched the scene where she tells him to lose. And then I think I cut it and went to bed. <laughs> and then I started up from the next thing. So I totally forgot about the bet part of it when he says he's going to lose. I'm mm. just thinking if we want to keep this meteoric rise where he's eventually going to be able to legitimately challenge Adam R and get the acclaim and, and try and legitimize himself and all that, that, you know, okay, it's gonna be tough to do that if he throws a match or whatever. Totally forgot until Watts starts freaking out about the bet thing, and I started cracking up because so, yeah. I was like, "Oh my god!" And it's great because this is the, where it starts to turn for Kate. Where like I legitimately started to like really like the cat. Like, there's a reason. But she goes, "Well, it is pretty romantic." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and Roland, you can see, is like torn between the two. Where it's like he can appreciate the macro of why he's going to will, while also. Not wanting to lose the money, right? <laughs> where like, where it's like, Kate is kind of basically just like, nah, like this is some storybook shit. Like this is cool, and Watts totally inconsolable. We're gonna lose the money. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it's so fun. I do love that he's when he's when Will's up there on the horse and he's not moving. I'm like, what are you doing? Losing. <laughs> <laughs> and then when uh, when Jocelyn sends her, is it her mate, her maiden, maid, maid, her her lady in waiting, her lady in waiting. That's it. Uh, uh, my lady says, if you want to prove you, I know I have to lose. No, if you want to prove your love, you won't lose another match. You'll win this tournament. And the rage, it's like, it's Madeline Khan flames, flames, flames on the, the side. side of <laughs> and then he channels all of that energy into the tip of the joust and completely destroys his opponent. <laughs> Which I don't think they made a big enough deal about the fact that he knocked a handful of those guys off the horses. Like, 
I think it would have been a cool. Like, I think we do see it once or twice, but I think it would have been cool if each progressive tournament, all of them now at the, by the end of it are on their own horse because he's earned. Because that was the whole that thing. would have been cool. Someone, yeah, get their horse right. Like where it starts with he's got a horse, and then you know now they have a horse that's carrying the packs or whatever, and by the end of it, they're riding into town, <laughs> yeah. all five of them on horses, like. Like that's really good yeah. background storytelling. I think. Like I don't. I thought it was like. I mean, it's such a small thing, but it just feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity. Oh, I agree. That would have been. That would have been fun. Uh, we did miss a bit in between uh, their fights, which is the one, one of their earlier like small fights. But when they write the letter to as a group, they write the letter, and it's like that is really sweet. Because I thought they were writing a series of letters. I didn't realize it was all one letter. Yeah. They keep cutting to. Watt and she's reading it. I thought like Watt was ferrying letters back and forth. I didn't realize this was all in service of writing one letter. And did she give you a token? Come on, she gave you a token. <laughs> and then Watt kisses him and he goes, he he pauses for a second. Then he goes, Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny. Um then we go home. Although I say he almost dug his own grave, right? Because when she does finally see him, she goes, "I I demand." Poetry. I demand poetry. <laughs> he just goes, "Your breasts." Yeah, <laughs> they're below your throat. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, we go to we go to to England. How long? And then we get that we get that very dark. Like let's let me set the stage. It's dark, add fog, and creepy man pulling the boat on a chain. Now you know that this is a dark time. How long has it been <laughs> the since you've time, been right? home? <laughs> Was it two, three years, six years, pause, 12 years. And it's like, whoa, 12 years. <laughs> also, but, uh, did you recognize when we finally saw Sir Ector? Did you recognize it? When we finally saw who? Sir Ector, the the guy that that he apprenticed for, the guy the the knight who died in the beginning. Yeah, that's the only time we saw his face. Did you recognize? He looks familiar. Is uh, who was it? He was Little John from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, okay. I was watching him. I was like, oh, like I was like, oh, I wonder who like Sir Ector is. And he kind of like smiles slash like grin like like he grins like a t- toothy grin. I was like. That's fucking Little John, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I've seen Prince of Thieves like a million times. That, that's a great like old mm-hmm. medieval movie. Like Apparently he can only play roles in the medieval times. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. But uh, I do like the, I loved the reveal of, you know, Will walking through the town on the horse alone and then the little girl like kind of dreaming and then him being like, I used to live here. Do you remember I was guy? so certain that was going to be his sister. Oh. Like the sister that he never met, you know, because mm-hmm. he asked her, like, how old are you? And she's like, nine and a half. He's like, okay, he's been 12 years. I was wondering, he was like, never heard anything about the mother, whether it be his sister or half-sister whatever. I was like, mm-hmm. so certain. He's like, oh, do you know John Thatcher? And he, I thought she was going to be like, yeah, it's my dad. You live over there. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that, 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 that would have been intense. Uh, I do think I loved the the way that they did play that out because it was like so clear, like, while he doesn't say it out loud, he he had resigned himself to the fact that his father is probably long gone. Not just resigned. He felt pretty certain. Oh, yeah, my dad's dead. I'm just going to see the neighborhood. Like, Yeah. Oh, you're telling me he's alive. Okay, cool. And then, <laughs> uh, and then we, we do the, we, he walks in 
the then we get that whole that I can't go over it again. But that that back and forth that they have, which is just fantastic and beautiful. I, I do have to ask though. Mm. At no point did we see any indication that someone's following him, and like the streets are empty. Yeah. How the fuck did he follow him? Uh, movies. That felt a little bit like tossed in there, like shoehorned in there. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, skipping ahead because we we went through a bit a bunch of these parts already, but like Will in the stocks. Um, oh, that was that. It is a heartbreaking scene when they're like when uh, Chaucer and uh, the lady in waiting, isn't that's who comes. Oh no, Chaucer and Lydia. Kate. Yeah. Kate. They go, <laughs> I'll, I'll go back to calling her Kate. Chaucer and Kate uh, come and they have the bad news and like the look on their face, like this, this whole scene is acted really well. Yeah. Everybody is, everybody is negative ass in this scene. <laughs> and it's great. And it, they really sell it because you know, you can see how badly Will wants Even it. Even Paul Bettany. I mean, we, we see and, plenty of his ass. Yeah, but this time we've we, seen his pants ass. are on because there's nothing left. He's got a cinch his girdle that's, really that's tight. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, no ass to hold it up. Nope. Uh, so, <laughs> but that 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 whole scene is great. But like you said, I, I, no, I always like. What is it? I always stand by. I always tell you to like stand and fight. Yeah, like, he's like he's like I'm one who always wants to fight. But today, today I want us to run. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's so heartbreaking. But it ends up leading to that great scene of Will being knighted and then the Sir William and the single tear rolling down Paul Bettany's cheek is an Oscar worthy tear. First off, <laughs> uh, but it's great. Love it. As opposed to as opposed to the tears streaming down Jocelyn's face during that scene, where not that the her performance was fine, but those were very clearly the we're gonna spray your eyes with something to get yeah. just pouring down your face tears because like it was two perfect Perfectly, streams yeah. of tears coming down. Yep, it's noticeable for sure. Um, then we get a we get the cheating whore who uses his spiked. Lance, it's called Lance. Hello, <laughs> that was that's another great line. I I do have, <laughs> do have a question. Yeah, the very first one, they find out he's cheating and using the wrong lance. Yeah, like they physically have the evidence in their hand. Uh huh. Would that not have been? Uh, excuse me, Prince. I know we already we already used our favor, but like, judge kill me. Like this is yeah. not a tournament. <laughs> like disqualification. Like. Yeah. Do I maybe get one turn through the list with the real Lance to make things even? Like, how do we want to attack? Like, it's not like it's like, I think he maybe No, like, they, they all know for a fact that he is cheating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, how about that scene prior to that? Uh, maybe the last time what Will is riding. How would you beat him? With a stick while he sleeps. That was great. <laughs> That's like, boo. <laughs> but on a no, horse, great. can't be done. Because he, he follows up, yeah. Oh, you mean in the list, though? No, you, no, no, no. <laughs> That's so good. Um, the the third round or the second round, whatever it is, the choice that we make to take his armor off—that's the—that's that's the this is a bit much moment. Yes. Right. Well, because like, okay, fine. His arm is fucked up. We're gonna maybe we're gonna take the van brace off and we're gonna cinch the thing to his arm, and he's gonna wear it like Merle wore that knife. His, Trap arm and walking. Fair enough, but he's not going to wear the armor, like mm-hmm. or a helmet, like not even the helmet. Right. Also, when this joust collides with Adamar, it's going to do zero damage to Will's shoulder. None, none whatsoever, <laughs> because he's well, barely holding. Sent it to his arm. Anyway, that was stupid. <laughs> I did like that they do that. 
I don't know what that is that they're doing exactly where like is that weird perspective thing where like it's supposed to look like he's laying on the ground, but he's, but he's floating, hovering above the ground. Yeah, that was weird. I have a note on that where I was like, I don't really understand what's happening here. I've also, seen that scene in other things. Yeah, I don't know what that is exactly. It, it is kind of a cool thing because it's supposed to take you out of time and space to make you realize that it's not really happening, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I, I do love that in his outer body experience. Uh, his the shittiness of his character is inside of his head, and he yes. knows it. I love that. That's a great. That's great. Well, sequence. it's the moment of clarity, like life flashing before your eyes, right? Where you know it. It's great how each of them gets to say a part of the line mm. to him, and he's like, "Fuck these fuckers." Yeah. <laughs> the uh, in that scene though, so there's something. The only, I mean, in the movie of, the, I mean, it's over the top. There's ridiculousness all over the place. It's fine. I love it. The only thing that I thought was that I kind of chuckled at that was a little bit immersion breaking that was really funny to me was in that scene, Will destroys him with the lance. Uh, he goes flying, and then when they're showing the slow motion and uh, Adamar is hitting the ground, his lance hits the ground too, and is so clearly rubber, and it <laughs> it, it like wobbles a lot, and I was like. <laughs> Rubber Lance. They, <laughs> it's just like no one was in danger the whole time. It's fine. I, I didn't I didn't notice. But I mean, that's not surprising. No, of course not. Because I actually, I'm pretty sure they actually jousted for the movie. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I did actually really like that little bit of storytelling, both from like learning about the sport and a window into Will's character and a window into Adamar's character um, when he explains, you know, when he says, oh, no technique, but he's incredibly brave. And she, she seizes on that and asks, what do you mean he's brave? Mm. He explains the differentiation between someone who knows that they need to lift their head and him who strikes true because he's totally fearless. Also, probably because he's stupid and doesn't know better, right? Yeah. But because he's fearless. Like that whole conversation early on in the movie was what I thought really great. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. It's it's a level of depth that this movie doesn't necessarily deserve, but it makes it so much better. <laughs> yes, and, uh, I I just I really I really love it. It's so much. It's so much fun to watch. It's a super entertaining flick. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm surprised. I don't know why it just never called out to me in any way. Like I said, yeah, it's like part of that one little scene, and I was like, oh, that's cool, and like didn't think about it again. Like I just like. It didn't make me want to sit down and watch it. I think maybe part of it was I assumed it was later in the movie than it was. Hmm. If I knew it was like eight minutes into the movie, maybe I would have sat around and watched it then. Um, it's a good movie. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm happy you enjoyed it. Anything else? No, I think I'm good. Yeah, me too. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss... You can send those requests to flicksinasix at thespintune.com or tweet us at thespintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Thanks for coming out. <laughs>